From the spaceship in the sky to the simulation in the mind, let's all embark on another journey of Conversations on the Fringe. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon. Wherever you are in the world, my name is Josh. That is David Whitehead. This is the Red Pill Project Conversations on the Fringe. This is where we take that break from the normal geopolitical sequencing and jump into those things that uh, really make the mind expand and go beyond what we normally understand. And so tonight we're going to be having an Absolutely epic conversation. If you guys have not checked it out, Cult of the Medics, which is uh, David Whitehead's, uh, I, I guess, docu-series, because it's on part 10 now, I mean, 10 hours, 10 plus hours of content. Um, it's absolutely phenomenal. I just told him, I said, this is the best one you've done yet. And this is just fantastic. Um, and I'm excited about this conversation. Uh, David, go ahead and, and introduce it a little bit. I got to get a channel up that is down, and I'm going to go ahead and try to get this up. So guys, I'm going to get DLive up. Give me one second. Sure. Well, first of all, Josh, you're looking good, man. It's been a bit, we've had a bit of a break uh, in our conversations, which I always love. And it's been a while since I've been back on the fringe. So I'm super happy to be back. So hello to all the people here listening on all the different platforms. We're going to have a lot of fun tonight. I've cleared my evening and um, we're going to dive into this. And I was really grateful that Josh wanted to have this conversation because actually I really wanted him to see this chapter and get his opinion on some of this stuff because this is what I'm trying to do with this series is just ask what I feel are appropriate questions mm -hmm. that get the mind going and, and get people thinking about these ideas. And when you ask the right kind of questions, you can really actually get your mind thinking towards what the truth might be, what the answer might be. And it also, I tried to leave it open so that we're not creating a cult out of cult of the medics We're right. we're trying to have an inquiry because I know everybody has their own little takes and different theories on all these subjects that I bring up in the series, um, which is really just my collection of the research I've done over the past 18, 20 years into these types of fringe subjects that are becoming more and more relevant by the day, are they not? And so, um, <laughs> yeah, chapter 10, I called it the overseers. It's a big, big picture episode and there's just so much to dive into. So yeah, this is gonna be an absolute blast and I'm honored to be here, brother. Awesome, dude. Well, you know, I, I appreciate you always coming on. We always have um, absolutely epic conversations. We've been killing it on Earth Chronicles. Uh, we Ben Stewart, David Icke. Uh, we decided to take a little break from that um, just yeah. because you got a lot of production going on. Um, I got the new platform going on that we're trying to do here and uh, a few other things in transition. Got some new shows coming on the channel. And so we just took a, we're going to take a month off of Earth Chronicles. That will be back, everybody. Don't worry. It's going to be back and better than ever. Um, but, you know, you, you I said, what, what topic do you want to do? And you're like, overseers. I'm like, okay, okay. I'm like, well, I, I've watched the other nine. So I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll go watch it. And I just, I usually do that. I'm like, my Saturdays and Sundays is when I get caught up on podcasts and stuff like that. But throughout the day today, I've been just kind of putting it on. I had some road time and uh, I was on the road and I'm listening to it. I'm like, I can't listen. I need to watch this. It's like one of those things that you have to sit down and actually watch. You have to be uh, focused and involved on the information that's being put out there. Um, guys, it looks like the D Live problem, FYI, is D Live. It's not us. It is D Live. 
So I will keep trying on that. Vince, if you could, please go out and throw all the, oh, you're already doing that rumble and all those chats out there so people can watch that. Um, I, I want to start with, I believe it's, there's a series of quotes you had in the beginning of this by Charles Ford. And then there's one specifically, I think it's uh, right after the, the quotes that come out. Um, yep. I believe it's at this timestamp. I, w- I want to play this for everybody real quick. Sure. After all, we're useful. Then there we go. I suspect that, after all, we're useful, that among contesting claimants, adjustment has occurred, or that something now has a legal right to us, by force, or by having paid out analogs of beads for us to former, more primitive owners of us, all others warned off, and that all of this has been known, perhaps for ages, to certain ones upon this earth, a cult or order, members of which function like bellwethers the rest of us, whereas superior slaves or overseers, directing us in accordance with instructions received, and our mysterious usefulness. That right there (laughs) is, it is, I mean, it, it sums up Everything that's happening right now, it, it really, I mean, it subs up Cult of the Medics. It's like the best quote that really go out there and understand Cult of the Medics. But not only that, is it understand, it, it, it summarizes a lot of what we're going to talk about tonight. And we have some really big questions to answer with this. Um, and so it was that Charles Fort that did that? Yeah, that was Charles Fort's quote. Yeah. And, you know, who, who what, what book was that from? Um something of the damned what was the book i have it somewhere yeah i'll look it up exactly uh, i put it in the actual description um okay. the actual quote is in the video description on rumble and book, the book of the damned book of the damned that's it yes the book of the damned book of the um damned. and he really just nails this because when we look at the world and i've explained this over the past few years is that there appears to be what I would say going on right now is a war of the roses, right? The Tudor dynasty, all these things, a war of the roses of warring families of warring bloodlines, warring cults. If you want to look like that, all kind of feasting at the top of this chessboard with all of us underneath holding it up for power and control over the world mm-hmm. that they themselves understand that something is happening. And I think we'll get into that a little bit, that something is happening environmentally or just within us and that they are losing control because of whatever is happening, whether it's the, the amount of people in the population, whether it's just the, the increase in the amount of information dissemination and retention, um, you know, human conscious evolution, whatever it must be, that there's something happening that's causing these factions, the heads of the Hydra, to begin warring with each other. And this warring, which has been going on for a very long time, is now leaking out into the surface. And this arises as geoeconomic, geopolitical strifes. This rises as, uh, you know, social destabilization, um, poverty, homelessness, all these different types of things, because these are the weapons that these people utilize. And obviously, we are ramping up in that whole area um, in modern day, and it's speeding up and getting ever and ever faster. And we're seeing a lot of these people be exposed. And, you know, 
these secrets have been kept secret for a very long time. These secret businesses that they've owned have been kept underwrapped and secret for a very, very long time. And we have to ask ourselves, what is it now that is allowing this, that is bringing that to the surface? Is it really the, the apocalypse, the unveiling of truth, it bubbling up to the surface? Is it the zeitgeist, the spirit of our time that is allowing this to rise? Or is there a hidden warfare that's going on amongst their tables that is exposing each other's own secrets systematically to try to secure power over the people that sit underneath because that is where the real power lies. Right. And, or is it the former creating the latter? Meaning what you were saying about how, is it the zeitgeist of the time? Is it the epoch that we're in? Is there a greater cycle? Are we going through some photon belt that's just, you know, electrifying all the photonic energy in our cells and it's starting this wake up process. And like, there's all these theories about the time we're in, right? Many have predicted the time uh, and all of that, but Maybe that is a bigger cosmic picture happening that's that's the cause, but the effect which the world we live in is the warring factions amongst these elites and amongst these groups and all the mm -hmm. geopolitical stuff and all the things we're seeing. We're seeing this splitting happen amongst families, amongst people uh, over different issues. We're being divided along these very interesting lines. And it's like the people that want to bring in this new normal and this new world order and are cheering for it and think it's the best thing ever for humanity. And then there's those of us that are like, hold on a minute, who's doing it? Who's benefiting? What's this really all about? There's a split that's happening and it's happening. There's a great comment that you have. Maybe we can get to it eventually that I put in during the Skinner box section, um, which is another great thing to talk about um, where you were talking about how all of these different things we see happening are actually happening on both the macro and micro stage. Like they're happening in family units. They're happening in politics. They're happening in. So we're seeing, I think people are catching on to the fact that we're living in incredible times and we see all this chaos and war and brutality and evil being exposed to the world in a way we've never been able to see before. And it brings me back to the original question that Charles Fort was asking about, you know, what's, this planet really and one thing that he brought up in that quote i don't know if you caught it was he was saying and he, he was just asking this as a thought exercise right like hey what if we thought of it like this that we're, we're property or at least something has claimed ownership it doesn't mean that that's legit it just means they claimed ownership and they've taken charge and they mm -hmm. doesn't mean it's our destiny doesn't mean it's the way it was intended it's just what's happened and that he was talking about an exchange of, of something that happened between former, more primitive owners of humanity to more superior owner, owners, like more advanced owners that took mm -hmm. over charge at a certain point in history. That was his reading of some of these ancient myths and legends and some of the paranormal stuff he was looking into. And so I guess I thought, why not get to the big questions other than just, oh, what are the rival mafia families fighting over what are the secrets right. of you guys what's klaus schwab and all these bill gates if you're seeing them in the public square if you can say their names and they've made public statements they are cogs in a bigger wheel that's my rendering of it and yep. my question is always it's like what david ike was saying in that bit when he's like what is that an expression of and then what's that an expression of and then and you just go into the big compartmentalized nature of the whole thing 
And it really sends you for a loop to sit back and go, what in the absolute hell is going on? And what if it's much bigger than we can even imagine, you know? So at least it opens up the mind and then we can get into the details. Yeah. Well, you, you know, with what you just said right there, it, it's kind of interesting because one dynamic of all of this is the aspect of slavery mm. that not only is this planet owned um, as property, but humanity is in a sense slaves to whatever owns it or were created as slaves and now under maybe new ownership. Um, and then you have to wonder about that higher level of slavery because we look at slavery as forced labor camps or maybe the debt slaves that we've become or the legal slaves or the digital slaves that we're moving towards. But in actuality, um, if we think about some higher intelligence that has come down here and, and would claim ownership over the planet as well as enslave us to a large degree – then we have to redefine what that slavery is really about. And what I like to do is I like to look at patterns. I look to see what is consistent through all of those various aspects of slavery. And the one thing that we get is the expenditure of energy, suffering, emotion, and fear. That is the one consistent variable that always plays in to all those variations of slavery, whether it's the digital slavery that people are renting into. We just had the uh, the shooter in Colorado. I mean, he's he's on call of duty. He's playing these war games. He's getting pumped up with his adrenaline. He's on these Discord channels. They're probably manipulating his mind. They make him a shooter, and then he comes to the realization before it ever happens, and he goes, I can't do this. But he couldn't help himself. He knew that it was going to happen. So he shot and killed himself. This was a 20-year-old kid, which tells you that there is good within our hearts that we that we can overcome and we can resist it, that it doesn't have this, this control over us. But it's instead a choice that we make and allow ourselves when we fall in to the illusion of reality, the illusion of the world around us. And that is the matrix. That is the system that they put in place, is this this energetic system of harvesting who and what we are and controlling those actions to make sure that the food is always consistent for them. Yeah. Yeah. When you put it like that, right. It's like, what, what's the purpose of the slavery? So then I go, okay, let's reverse engineer this question. This is a great place to start. Um, there's a really brilliant film that everybody needs to watch. It's a Canadian film. I know the producers and actually one of my friends who used to own a Call a conspiracy bookstore in Toronto. His name is Patrick. He's in the film. And I thought, oh, cool. So anyways, it was in 2012. It's called The Conspiracy. And it was a look at conspiracy theories, whatever. But it's a fictional film, but it's based mm -hmm. on, you know, the reality of it, I guess. And so I put a little clip in there on chapter 10 of the opener. And there's the, the guy who's playing the almost like Alex Jones type character or the guy that's on the bullhorn, the homeless guy with the signs trying to warn everybody who everybody thinks is crazy. Right. He's playing that character. And the whole film is based around the fact that he ends up being totally correct. Right. And yeah. he's saying to the producer of the film, they're, they're asking, he said, well, that's the genius of these rulers is that they figured out a way to create an entire society that denies the truth of what's right in front of their eyes. And the, the producer interviewing was like, well, and what's that? And he goes, that we're slaves. And 
when you try to tell people and they're like, ooh, conspiracy theory, you're like, no, no, conspiracy doesn't even come close to summing right. up what you and I are going to be talking about tonight, Josh. So this is beyond a few instances of shooting a president in public as an assassination or making some towers fall down into absolute rubble and, you know, or rigging a market or starting a war uh, and letting the guard down in Israel and let, you know, like, oh, this is well beyond that. This is a management system that we're seeing little signs of over time and different researchers and authors and people who've been paying attention have noticed that there is what you've been calling the slave matrix like that that that's 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 what's beyond it all when you when you take yourself out of these isolated events that everybody argues over and you put it all together what we've done is we've been feeling around and we've discovered that there's an elephant you know and we've seen that there's something bigger we don't know exactly what it is but slavery is involved. And there's a brilliant bit that I had with uh, Dr. Richard Souter, who we've interviewed together on this mm -hmm. show. And I love the man. He's done amazing research. And he had a good little bit in there. Where he was giving me three examples of what made him believe that this is a slave matrix. And the first example was the unfettered organ harvesting trade, the illegal organ harvesting trade and the human trafficking trade. He's like, that's number one. The fact that this goes on while we sleep, it's gone on for decades, if not centuries, nothing has changed. And you're going to tell me that the military and the intelligence services and the police services and the government has no knowledge of this and has no ability to stop it. I mean, they can track and trace you if you don't get your jabs or you haven't paid your taxes or whatever the hell else. But we can't shut these people down that are doing literally the most evil things that you can imagine, like killing children and innocent people for the purpose of trafficking their organs in the underground organ harvesting trade. So he's like, that's number one. Then number two for him was slavery. And it was interesting mm -hmm. that I had his bit talking about not some metaphorical mental slavery or slave. He was talking about like actual slavery on the planet earth as of 2021. Right. And he was like, there's over 50 million slaves right now in various countries that are actually enslaved to slave owners that do hard manual labor. That is what you would imagine all the slavery of history to be. It still goes on to the tune of over 50 million people is the estimate. So that's just like physical slavery. He's like, you're telling me they can't shut that shit down. Why aren't we doing end slavery today? Now we're focused on what happened hundreds of thousands of years ago, hundreds or thousands of years ago of slavery, which was a universal practice. Um, and yet the countries that fought a war to end it are the ones in the sites for this. You know, it's interesting. So then the third one was satanic ritual abuse and sacrifice right. and the satanic cults. And and so those were the three things for Richard Souter. And it it just it kind of opens things up um, to letting people know, do you honestly believe that this level of anti-human behavior the, to that level of evil? is allowed to go on by the people that we vote for, the people that we trust, the people that we tune, like the media, where's the media on all this stuff? Where are the, where's all the rights activist groups on this? There are there, but you don't hear about them. You hear about the ones that are paid and George Soros funded, of course. And so, and then you go, okay, that's just the start. Then we got to get to the level that you're talking about, which is that Oh, it's not just that we've got some uh, labor camps of people that are stolen from their tribes and put to work 
or it's not just that we have some organ harvesting or it's not just that we have some human trafficking. You're all on a farm. You're all a slave to something that has created almost like the way a farm would be set up where you've got free range animals that they use to sell to the people that like free range resources. And then they've got the industrial section where that's just like evil. It's just amazing when you think about what we do to animals. And then I started asking that question. Well, what we do to animals, what DARPA is doing to animals, creating animal machine hybrids, what Bill Gates is experimenting with these mosquitoes that are artificially created with AI. The, what the hell is this? And then is that what they're trying to do to us with this transhumanism shit? What species would do that to itself? And so when I'm sitting here speculating on whether we're living on a human farm that's ruled by something and traffics, we, we traffic animal organs. We, tra we, we enslave animals as pets. We put them in these industrial farms and we use them and cultivate them and groom them for resources. You know, we eat veal cutlets and shit. You know what I mean? What's to say that something isn't doing that to us and it might not just be physical property. It might be that there's something that's produced in the human being in by way of emotions, by way of the photonic activity of our cells or something they call it, Some people call it louche. Some people call it prana energy, chi energy, that that energy itself is what's harvested by whatever the hell this is. And that they've actually raised genetic alters to be the superior slaves that have more of their DNA than human. And that's what makes them so utterly psychopathic and that they act as the sort of farmer gatekeepers that are protecting something else and that are doing the bidding for something else. And you just get to that thinking and you look at the level of things and you got to start concluding that at the very least, maybe that's not true, but it doesn't sound as crazy as you might first have thought after you go through chapter 10, you know what I'm saying? <clears throat> Well, yeah, I do. I, I know exactly what you're saying. Um, and it, it, it's interesting because I was just, um, there is a clip in an article I read the other day of um, illegal immigrant slave camps in the United States that um, they're bringing these kids in through CPS. They go to the foster homes. This was in congressional testimony. Really? They bring these kids over the border. They get into CPS, the cust uh, not, uh, um, um, Child Protective Services, in a state. The state places these kids in these foster homes that are very specific, that work with the cartels, take those kids and then ship them off to child labor camps in the United States or to sex trafficking rings or organ harvesting rings. And the, these foster homes are in the network and they know who they are. And Congress is aware of this and they're asking the lady who's in charge of all of these foster homes uh, in the United States. And she goes, well, we don't check up on the kids. Uh, we, we don't really do much background checks on these people. And he's like, you will, you know who these people are. She goes, well, yeah. And she he goes, you know, this is happening. Why aren't you doing anything? She goes, well, that's, that's not my job. And it's oh like, yeah, this is the answer. What? You're gonna get, like, right? Yeah. But then you get the, the Arizona government, you know, the governor and, and the Senator, they're bought off by the cartel. Yeah. And so we have to understand that guys, this is happening in your backyard. This is happening in your home. Okay. This is very, very real. It is happening on this planet. And you got to wonder like, you get to Washington, D.C., the so-called most powerful country 
in the world. You get a, a good man in there with a good heart, and he's in control of the whole United States military. That man has the ability, and he trust me, he knows about all this. He has the ability to end the war on drugs, the war on immigration, the war on, on human trafficking. He has the ability to end all of these wars systematically, almost instantaneously. But they, they don't. don't. They don't. Not only they don't, is they allow it to continue, they allow it to go on, and they completely ignore it. And the question is, what the fuck are they so afraid of? Mm. Yeah, that kind of shit just boils my blood. I don't know about people listening, but like this is what makes yeah. me want to do this work is, I mean, we're sitting here. Think about it, Josh. We're literally having a worldwide debate on social media about which side is killing more babies and more brutally when it comes to the Middle Eastern conflict of which vast majority of people have no historical knowledge about no context or nobody. And I don't know, I'm not here to comment on that. I'm not an expert yeah. on it, but all I'm sitting back is looking at the 40,000 foot view and going, what's happening there is absolutely horrible, but here's the hard pill to swallow. This is business as usual on this planet. Okay. And it's not just happening there. With if what we're talking about here is true, that's just another ripple in the pond of the amount of sacrifice of young, innocent children and people that's been going on for a long time that is still going on. And the question is, why and why are we not galvanizing every resource at our disposal at every level of government all over the world? I mean, we can do a great reset. We can go and get everybody wearing masks in, in five minutes. We can start a big pandemic scare and, and start tracking and tracing people based on how, what flu they had and how many sniffles they had and if they sneezed today. And they can track you down to the ends of the earth if you decide not to pay your taxes because they're just going to give it all to Ukraine or whatever the hell else they're going to do. But for God's sakes, we can't stop this. those three things that Richard Souter put up. Are you kidding me? And you want to sit back and say, well, maybe we should vote our way out of it. Maybe we should... And maybe there's a utility for that too. I'm just saying, I feel like I'm at the point where I'm like, enough is enough. Like enough of this bullshit back and forth about shit that just doesn't matter. It's out of context. Our entire species, oh, what tribe are you on? What team are you on? Are you left? Are you right? Are you Christian? Are you Jew, Muslim? Are you this cult? Are you that? You're living on a, you're living in a farm situation where you have, a whole system of criminality set up under your feet while you sleep that you have nothing and no knowledge of. And here we are fighting over this shit. And, and all <laughs> these guys are sitting back going, yeah, see, I told you they'd never do anything to stop us. Even when we told them we were doing it. And that's what I see. Not, yep. not, not that. That's my, let me just give a caveat. Yeah, go ahead. That's go ahead. my, that's my pissed off side. That's my, what the fuck side. All right. My true side, my true soul keeps telling me, it has to be this way right now. It's mm -hmm. part of this. There's a bigger plan beyond all of this that you have no idea. It, that there, It's not all bad, that there is good fighting back. You know, we'll get to that. But before we can get to the good news, we have to realize where have we been putting our attention? Where, where have we been re exhausting all of our resources and expending our ammunition? While this shit's going on, a way bigger picture than just a few isolated instances that pop up in your social media news feed. It's way bigger is all I'm trying to say. You're spot on right. Um, the idea that you just talked about was that imagine an animal farm. You have chickens, you have goats, you have cows, you have pigs. 
And they continuously argue with each other in war with each other over I'm a fucking chicken and you're a cow and I'm the better animal or this is this is the way things are because I'm a chicken and I peck the ground and you're a pig and you roll in mud. No, 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 no. I'm a pig. This is the way I'm the, I'm superior to this. But at the end of the day, they're all getting slaughtered and not one of them realizes the truth of the situation. And this is what we're seeing today in the world, guys. Israel, Hamas is the newest distraction. It's the newest boogeyman. It's the newest squirrel over here for you to pay attention to, to focus your emotion on. So you forget about what's actually happening in the backdrop to what they are doing. And I said this when they said, I said, watch out. What are they doing? Something else is going on here. You're watching the right hand over here. What the hell is the left hand doing right now? And 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 they could have very well done that shit too, right? Like they're, they're that sick that I'm not saying I don't, I'm not on the floor that it's all fake. I think it's fucking real. Like there's shit going on. Those people are getting butchered on both sides. Like, but that's when you realize the sadistic level of what we're dealing with here, that this is about ritualistic murder, like ritualistic murder. When I bring that up to people and I start bringing up Zodiac killer, Ted Bundy, and people can go, Oh yeah. Lone nuts, you know, lone nuts. We can, we can say, yeah, they probably had a bit of ritualistic sadistic and all that kind of stuff. But what if I'm like, no, no, there's entire cults devoted to this kind of stuff. This mm-hmm. is how they think. This is what they think of you. And they're looking to, like you said, pull your energy into it. So yep. yeah, they don't mind having a mass ritual 9-11 event to wipe out a couple thousand people and then start a war. There was much more in terms of energy transfer that took place in that event. And then the same with this energy transfer and what are we doing on social media we're giving them our our energy we're we're giving our energy and yeah i'm not here to talk about the specifics i'm just talking the big picture that they these are people that know how to farm human energy okay that's where i'm at i'm at that point and i think they know how to do it i I want to touch on this because laura lee our good friend talks about um, Edgar Casey and how Edgar Casey and his visions would talk about lunar and solar eclipses and how solar eclipses were the soul energy coming to the earth and it opens up this portal. And whether you believe that or not, it, it's okay. But you have to understand that these people believe that solar eclipses and lunar eclipses have certain energetic functions that right. deal with human energy. Um, back in August, I said specifically, Something major is going to happen in the world between September 23rd and October 17th. Now, I said that because you have um, you have the win- you have the 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 um, the fall equinox. At the same day, of the fall equinox, you had Eris, the asteroid Chaos, entering the primary node of the Moon. That's a, a point where the Moon and the Sun converge. Important. And then 14 days later, or sorry, 17 days later, you had a solar eclipse, Mm. okay, on the 14th. Hamas attacked Israel on October 7th, seven days before the eclipse. Okay, guys. apparently they planned it for like two years. Did you hear this? Well, yeah, and they had videos of it. They were like, they had produce video it's it's all a show guys but the stuff is very very real i want i want to preface it i'm not saying that it's conspiracy it never happened okay it happened it's very very real but it was ritualistic sacrifice for seven days the 7th to the 14th the day of that solar eclipse it was massive sacrifice Mm -hmm. of those people on both sides 
Okay. Yeah. Understand that. And now it's continuing. It's perpetuating. Yeah. And, and we have to see it for what it is. And, and I don't think people truly grasp the environment that we really do live in, that we live in a a subtle energy field. And when I say subtle energy, I don't mean energy that is negligent. What I mean is things that you can't see are producing profound effects with very, very minute motion. That there are fields around you that you cannot perceive, you cannot understand, that you cannot sense, that are interacting with you that have an effect on who and what you are and how you think. There are things that are that happen in the universe that coalesce and integrate into each other, that produce various potentialities to occur within reality. And these people understand that system. They understand how to manipulate that system, how they utilize it to their advantage, and they use it against you and me and everybody else. And here's the thing is they've kept us ignorant of that. Even the people at the highest level are mostly ignorant of this. Now, I'll tell you, I've been doing a lot of research on Aleister Crowley, okay? The most wickedest man alive, the beast, as his mother called him. What if I told you Aleister Crowley was not evil, that he wasn't the most wickedest man alive, that he was an incredible magician who hid everything, all of his information and knowledge with an allegory. And his allegory came about because of his mind was a little twisted and sadistic and he liked to write about it. So I started diving into Aleister Crawley and me and some, some people, we broke his code. We started looking at some of his books and there it is right there in black and white, how he read it, wrote it. He was writing when he was talking about these horrific things that he was doing. He, he was making, he was making an allegorical story of a process, whether it's a magical ritual, whether it's something that's profound and beautiful, but he was hiding it behind this evil because I think what he was trying to do is he was trying to reach out to the darkness in the world and capture their attention and pull them in and teach them something about the goodness by showing them evil, by hidden, hiding it behind the evil. It's hard to explain. It'll take me another show Interesting, to do all that. Yeah, it, but, but I mean, I've done my research on this and we started breaking it down on his uh, autobiography and it was like whole, uh, it's, uh, someone just said his cat story. You ever heard his cat story? Yeah. I'm very so aware Ale of the theory. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Alistair Crawley talks about how when he was 14 years old, um, he wanted to put science to the test of a cat and see if a cat really had nine lives. And so he fed the cat arsenic, he drowned the cat, he slit its throat, he skinned the cat, he threw the cat out the window, and he went through seven different trials, or sorry, nine different trials of killing the cat. But when you look at all the trials, it's water, it's fire, it's air, and it's ether. And when you realize what he's doing is he's actually talking about transmutation of the soul in allegory of the cat. And if you, I don't have the story in front of me, but when you break down the story, it's the allegory of going through the depths of hell to unleash the inner soul within you from darkness into light. It's a made up story. And it's then the idea that it's all made up. Yeah. Like, yeah. and that he, the fact that he was trying to use a sort of propaganda technique on the dark side. Cause he discovered it like that's a, Hey, and e regardless, even if people don't buy it, um, there's a description in that field of knowledge of how magical rituals work. And yep. 
you know, there's people that you can read that come from within, you know, secret societies, uh, Freemasons, you know, even Manly P. Hall, you know, these guys who actually blew the whistle on the Illuminati and blew the whistle on the dark occult, right? Mm -hmm. um, to try to say, hey, it's not all, it's not that the whole thing is evil. It's just that we misinterpret it and there's people that twist it and, and, and take this knowledge and use it for evil purposes, right? So that's a whole other thing. But regardless of where everybody, anybody sits on any of that, let's just put it this way. The people that run the freaking world are into this, okay? Mm -hmm. They believe it. And whether you believe it or not is irrelevant because they're behaving based off of that belief. And yep. they're enacting rituals on certain calendar dates. They have their own calendars, okay? And where did they get those calendars from? Where did they learn the cycles of time? This was something I was talking to my wife about because I was getting into this whole debate with somebody about Halloween and that whole period of time at the end of October. And they were just saying, oh, it's all this evil Satanism where they're murdering children and everything. I'm like, yeah, yeah, they do. Absolutely. It's definitely become that. And there's dark shit that goes on. But what about the origins of it? Where did it originally come from? Why is it in this season, the season of death where fall is happening? What is fall? Nature's dying all around you. And then it's reborn in the spring. And there's a mm -hmm. process that's happening. And what's happened is I think what these people have done, and we've spoken about this many times before, Josh, you and I, that what the dark occult has done is taken our birthright knowledge that was preserved by our forefathers, that was supposed to be an interface to our spirituality, an interface to nature, an interface to human nature, and allow us to understand what freedom is and what it costs, what the cost of freedom is. And that that whole archive of ancient knowledge from good human beings was captured by the dark ones and mm -hmm. used and distorted and inverted. What do we say about satanic cults? What do they do? They take things and they invert them. So when we see rituals happening, blood rituals, murder rituals, these things happening, why are they happening on certain dates? Does that make the dates that the satanic calendar uses evil? No, these are just cycles of nature. These are just cycles of the, of the stars and everything else. They're just capturing the momentum of the consciousness feed to those cycles because everything's connected and they're piggybacking off the momentum or at least they believe they are and that's why they're enacting these types of look at the start date of certain wars look at when they killed ferdinand look when they the belfort declaration the founding of america on the same day as the founding of the bavarian illuminati who infiltrated it very quickly like they've there's a there's definitely a game going on between magicians and sorcerers and this yeah. is why I did this amazing quote uh, from, you know, uh, Carlos Castaneda, his archetypal figure in his books, Don Juan Mattis, uh, is quoted as saying, what we have against us, because he's what he's doing in this little bit is he's giving Don, he's giving the, uh, the, the student the reality that we are we are farmed. He has the same solution. He's like, yeah, we're, we're kept in chicken coops in, in a way, yeah. you know. And we have a predator that came from the depths of the cosmos to seek the resources of this planet and the humans on it. And so his thing was this, what we have against us is not a simple predator. It is very smart and organized, and it follows a methodical system to render us useless. Okay. So that brings me to this bit that I'd love your take on, and I hope everybody's ready and strapped in because this is going to get very interesting and I, maybe people will make some connections here. 
I came to this when I was doing um, some research into the medical industrial complex. And I did this bit in chapter, uh, I can't remember what chapter now. There's a film out there called The Business of Blood. Mm -hmm. Okay. Because here's my question. My question as even when I learned about this a long time ago, when I learned, I heard my parents talking to some people as a kid, I'd be eavesdropping in on them. And I was young, maybe like 11 years old. And the people that were over visiting started talking about satanic rituals and how they drank blood and child sacrifice and all this kind of stuff. And I was like, what? This is the first time I'd ever heard it. And as soon as I even heard that, I didn't know if it was true, but I, it sounded like, okay, maybe there's something like that going on. And my first thought I remember was, well, what's the fascination with blood? Why would that be so important? And I've kept that question with me. And then I started my whole journey and research. And then I got into pharma and I saw how they're using and, and Red Cross and everything, how they, a lot of people don't know that like 80% of your blood plasma that you donate to Red Cross is actually sold by Red Cross to the pharmaceutical industry who then takes that blood plasma and converts it into drugs and vaccines. Okay. So that means we are all voluntarily sponsoring big pharma in just one way where we're walking up and going, stick me doc, take all the blood you can before I pass out. Give me that bag of, give me that lollipop and I'll be good to go. And I've done my good deed for the day. Right. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying that people in the hospital don't need blood donations and everything else. But what if I told you that only about 20% of that actually goes to them and the 80% goes to the pharmaceutical industry to make drugs that you're going to now buy from them and then take, yeah. and then it causes all kinds they of They sell it by the way. They sell it to you. Okay. It got to a point during COVID where they were refusing vaccinated blood because they were concerned. So that's an, but here's the main thing you read this, you know, you listen to, um, Ted Gunderson right. and people like this whistleblowers insiders, the people that I've interviewed. I know you've interviewed people that have been involved in the satanic network, the human trafficking, the whole thing. And they will all tell you that there are blood rituals, there are blood sacrifices, and there's actually a process of drinking blood that goes on, okay? This is nothing new. This goes back to the ancient world. And it actually, when we start going through periods of history, we study the cult of Asclepius and the cult of Dionysus and the cult, all these different cults that come out of Rome, Greece, Babylon, Egypt, um, not all of it bad, but the bad side of it was definitely into this virgin sacrifice blood ritual. What was also with some of these Aztec cults who used to play soccer ball with people's heads on the steps of the pyramids and all mm -hmm. that kind of shit, what were they trying to do? They were trying to do blood sacrifice of innocent virgins to appease what? What are they trying to appease? The gods. gods. Why? So they could have crops grow and they could have abundance and this was their religion, okay? The oldest religions are serpent religions and blood religions. And they're mm -hmm. all to do with sacrifice. And even the modern versions of those religions that are sold to the masses still have the same rhetoric of drinking the blood, eating the body, and partaking in this ritual of sacrifice. It's all about sacrificing for the greater good. No what is the left trying to indoctrinate into America right now? Sacrifice for the greater good. What did Tedros of the World Health Organization and Anthony Fauci and Cla what do they all ask you for? Sacrifice your freedom for the greater good. Mm -hmm. So what I'm getting to here is if we realize there's an underground black market version of this, and then there's above ground white market version of this, of the mm -hmm. sale and processing of human blood. Why? 
What is it about human blood that has some kind of magical power to these people? And I'm not just talking about some low IQ trailer park trash Satanists trying to make shifts a fucking ritual in their fucking trailer. I'm talking about the people that own BlackRock, the people that run your government, the people that are the most successful apex predators on this planet and have been for thousands of years, if you track their lineage. They aren't to be looked at as being stupid or wrong. Like they're just cunning predators, right? Why do they believe in this stuff? And yet all your mainstream scientists and Sam Harris are going to come out and tell you it's all a bunch of bullshit. Yeah. Okay. Did you, are you on the list? Did you go to Epstein Island? Who knows? Right? So what, what is this really getting to? If what Richard Souter was talking about with this whole trafficking and organ harvesting and the blood business and the satanic cult rituals. And then you marry that to the white market, which is big pharma. That's just there to make some drugs and therapeutics and vaccines for you to make sure you're healthy, even though they've just created repeat customers by tainting your bloodstream. And then you're out there donating blood. They're selling it back to farm. There's this whole system happening in the black market and the white market. And it goes back to the ancient world. When you put it all together, why, why the blood? What's so, what's so special about it to these people? And I just love to know what your take is on that. So you mentioned Dionysus and Dionysus was largely associated with wine. Um, <laughs> Jesus was associated with turning water into wine. Um, during um, Catholics ceremonies, you drink the blood of Christ, which is represented by wine. Wine is a symbolic representation in many occult cultures of the blood that rushes through us, that carries the life force from the original vine. The word wine comes for the word vine, meaning mm. extending from and to, from the roots out in, absorbing everything around it. So our blood is the carrier of our life force. I, I like to go to Wilhelm Reich. I mean, mm. he talked about orgone energy. He talked about basically what Star Wars talked about with midichlorians. That right, we have, yeah, yeah midichlorians that we have within ourselves, yeah, this life force energy that permeates, and blood is the most concentrated version of that. Mm. And that within our blood is the flow of that life force through our body. I mean, we wonder, like, you know, we have this pranic energy, this orgone energy, uh, the chi, whatever you want to call it. Well, how is that distributing into the cells? Is it subtle energy or is it actually literally jumping on board the transport system that's already within our body and being processed throughout? You know, if you drain the blood out of a human being, they're dead. We got to understand that our blood is that vital connection. Our blood is that carrier that reaches the deep roots within our own bodies that our blood is what carries the essence of the outside world throughout our inside world. It is what transforms us where you literally become your environment from what you eat, hmm. what you consume and what you absorb. And so your blood is the progenitor of that within your system, as well as I believe the life force carrier. And 
you know, we can go back to various occult traditions and the various fluids in your body are pertinent to the carrying of this, the sexual energy, you know, the cerebral spinal fluid energy that sits in the base of your spine rises up and produces and induces a pressure in the ganglia in the pineal gland and induces a pressure that's piezoelectric in nature to the crystals in it. And then releases DMT, dimethyltryptamine in your brain and gives you this translucent experience of God. And that's a fluid rising up your spine. You, you have the various occult traditions of various tantric sex practices. We did this on um, uh, Tibetan Buddhism. We talked about yeah. this in depth on Earth Chronicles. But what is that? That is the male and the female sexual fluids that are produced and the preservation of them concentrates that life force energy. And the way that they explain this in many different occult and uh, philosophical traditions is that this is the food for the soul, that the concentration of these fluids in the body allows more of the soul to enter in. So it goes back to one of the things that I've talked about a long time is that we have what Einstein talked about as energy mass equivalence is that a, a, a fetus in the womb cannot have the entire soul within it because the soul is just an energetic being. We have to still look at regular physical properties. We have this massive energy of consciousness and it's such a high vibration that it cannot be contained by a fetus. And when the baby comes in the being for the first 70 years of its life, it's in a receptive state. It can't communicate. It's got to learn its environment. It's got to learn how to control its body. And the soul is just peering in at that point. The soul just comes in and looks through the eyes. It looks past the veil, but it doesn't interact. This is why many various traditions and in indigenous tribes on this planet have what's called coming into being ceremonies. In, in Hebrew, it's bar mitzvahs, right? And in various indigenous tribes, Native American and so forth, you go out there and you meet your spirit animal. Well, this happens specifically at puberty. Why? Because this is when your body is coming into its full energetic potentiality. This is when the soul is truly coming in and entering the body and has the greatest potential to fully grasp on into the body and come in and observe and understand reality. This is why I, I could go on with this, but I, I'll, I'll, trans, I'll, I'll digress on this on this part. But so what we're talking about here is that our blood, our life essence is not something, or our, our life essence is not something that is fully intact within our body, but something that evolves and grows with us. It mm -hmm. comes in, it attaches and it expands and it grows. And we are the, basically when we come into adulthood, we have the potential to take that energy and expand it within us, to grow it within us. This is the Buddha. This is the Jesus. This is all these people is expanding that energy within us and finding out how to do that and coming fully into being because most of us are sitting with our, our soul at the lower levels of who we are on the physical side. And we never allow that to rise up and expand and blossom. And this comes about because uh, of the, the, the level of things that we do within our life. People would refer to as sin in Christianity, you know, going out there and, and, in and, and tantric, so tantric practices out there, people, what they talk about is that, uh, 
they look at you as ignorant. If you go out there and you're having sex with your wife every night or you're having sex with your girlfriend and you're doing it to not create a child and you're doing it for the pleasure of an orgasm, you are ignorant. You are a low-level person. That's how these people think because what they do is they utilize these various ritualistic practices to concentrate that energy that's produced during sex to not orgasm. And what they do is they preserve that in ritual during sex and they concentrate that energy that's produced during that sexual um, initiation process and they store it within these fluids in the man that would in the man that would be the sperm and they concentrate this in there over long periods of time and what happens is they become more psychic they become more telepathic they become more powerful within their magic and within their ritual why because the more of the soul energy is being um, coming into their being as well as when more of the soul energy comes into your being the more interconnected you become to the next world over that exists right by us where our soul is actually residing where this is at least what they believe and That's so you're believe, yeah. yeah but your blood your blood is one of these fluids your blood is the prime carrier the easiest one to access that does this i mean think about adrenochrome what what is that it's, it, it, it's, it's two fluids blood. yeah it's adrenalized blood it's two fluids a hormone and your blood added together. And what does it induce? It induces a, a very, very psychotropic state of mind. Um, and it becomes very, very addictive. Uh, we start looking at all of these various different things that we can experience during these different rituals. They're all about the expansion of consciousness and mind, but more so about bringing more of that soul energy, more of that conscious expansion into the body in the sense of revelation. That's my well, right. And that's a good breakdown of some of the beliefs around it. And, you know, it just shows that humans have had many different beliefs centered around blood and the bodily fluids and how to ascend the physical experience, right? Like that's the whole thing. And what if in that process, some of those rituals have actually driven them mad? Mm. And I'll tell you this, man, I know personally, I'm not going to name any names. I personally witnessed certain people even people in this movement that went down that path of following some of those occult rituals when it has to do with the holding back of the sperm and the blood processing and all of that. And um, these people had some very extreme Kundalini-esque experiences that literally fried their brain. Mm -hmm. Okay. So these energies are so powerful, it can backfire and actually um, be a very negative thing. So we're dealing with forces here and, and ancient practices that people got all hip to when they first started learning about all this stuff and they read some ancient occult books, they started practicing it and these people went bloody mad. What do you think happened within the behind the doors of the Catholic Church when you had a eunuch cult, which is all it is at the end of the day, um, which was prohibiting any level of physical sexual gratification or marriage between, you know, whatever with these priests and now we have this massive pedophilic problem within that order. And we have it through all these different religions. It's just as bad in the Tibetan Buddhists as it is in the Catholic Church mm -hmm. as it is in the imams and all the others, right? This is something very unique to religious cults. Okay, let's just put it that way. Why? Because I believe they started playing with fire and they got burned. And what my <laughs> thing is, is, okay, there's the utility for humans but what if what we're dealing with isn't us? Just a question. I mean, yeah. that's where this has to go because 
who are we doing this for? Why is there such a ubiquitous track record of this type of practice by humans sacrificing other humans to appease something of this blood rituals and this whole, this whole, this sex cult and all this stuff. Like, what is all this stuff? Why are there so many pedophiles running around? What is that? Is that a process that actually happens when something is lacking in the development of a human being? And what if they know how to induce this in society? What if they have cults that are designed to create pedophiles because they actually believe they're the holy pure because the child is the virgin, the holy pure. They're the mm -hmm. connection to the overworld. You can get into this. And so there's a whole bigger world happening than just a bunch of what we think of as perverts running around. There's definitely those, but those are, those are low level scum. I'm talking the elite level. Very, these are very scientifically minded people. These are very in, intellectually um, in, in, intelligent people, uh, not emotionally or spiritually, but there's, there's the psychopathic uh, reptilian level of this where you go, all right, these people are into this for something. Um, there's even the cults that come out of Africa and other places where they would drink the blood, or this is even in some of the, a lot of different ancient tribes wrote about this. They drink the blood of their enemies. Mm. They consume the flesh of their enemy, the cannibal cults. People do a whole show on cannibal cults. It'll blow your freaking mind how much this shit goes on in the ancient world up to this present day. And guess what? A lot of it happens in a lot of the religious orders that we're still looking at like you wouldn't even want to know what's under the belly of that beast okay well in, in many tibetan buddhism's uh traditions they eat the bodies of the deads that go through the uh the ritualistic burial process so right. if you're in nepal and you pass away and you want to have the buddhist monks do your burial process uh, they, I think they cut you up into nine segments and then they consume you. I, I'm not Come they, over for the they, stir fry. They we'll literally consume like your body. The Buddhist monks. I mean, <laughs> it, it's, the, it's to regenerate the, the life process so that you'll be reborn again is what they call but it. It's all a metaphor. That's the thing. Agreed. They take it literally. This is the problem. They read this ancient shit and they take it literally. The whole world does. It's never meant to be that. The reason they do the Satanists too. Okay. This is what they're, this is where they're all fucked is because they're comport, they're, they're conflating the world of the psyche with the world of the body. Right. And this yep. is where we get into all the twisted shit. Now, the corruption factor, the, you talked about the adrenochrome. I mentioned it. I didn't go a deep dive in it because people more and more uh, in on that than me have done better documentaries on it. I just wanted to hint at it to go, okay, we're talking about cult of medics here. Okay, I'm not in, I'm not talking about every doctor. I'm, I'm talking there's a whole thing. There's actually a preview, a, a trailer that I put in there called Davids and Goliath. And it's a documentary mm -hmm. about two Canadian Davids, two guys named David who are Canadian, who are basically taking on the CCP party of China for the human organ trade and the evils that are going on there. And that's just one pebble in the pond because this isn't all emanating from just the CCP party. If I told you this is an entire international underground john wick style like on high table thing going on okay but either way what was interesting in that um documentary it's a great documentary it's very hard to watch um but it's about the fact that these people are cultivated rate there are families that raise and breed people mm -hmm. specifically to sell them on the market to sell their organs and their blood okay we also have to remember that within these secret societies and these unit cults, there's the idea of preserving bloodlines to keep genetic structures intact over a long period of time. 
What is genetic code? It's memory, phylogenetic memory. We all have from the various interactions through our ancestors, various codes of phylogenetic race memory flowing through us and are mm -hmm. expressing themselves in various ways. And so there's groups of people that believe they've preserved their bloodlines in the most pristine condition, which gives them the belief system that they have the divine right to rule because they have the most intact memory system built into their DNA, whereas everybody else is just mixing and matching and, and going around all over the farm and they're just a bunch of polluted animals. That's how that's, I'm just trying to give you, I'm not saying it's real. I'm just saying that's the way when I've read their own statements and their own memoirs, this is where they're coming from. Right. Yeah. And then I'll just go to this. We just got through the Halloween thing. What's the story of the Dracula vampire thing all about? Where did that come from? Yeah, that's a show in itself. The vampiric thing. We did a show recently on Slade um, where we were talking about this. And we did a few. We did one about Ireland's sat uh, satanic cults. There was a book written by someone who was on the inside of that and some of the evils that went on. And then we did this. Uh, it was with Caleb Lamont. He came on and gave us his research. It's a French author, I believe, that was writing about you know, the Marquis de Sade and the, and the, and the history of the blood drinking cults and the elite aristocracy, and then how that's transferred into some of these satanic witch covens. Okay. The, the, the nobody wants to talk about the female side of this, the, the <laughs> you know, Abramovich level of this, the female Illuminati. We did a show on that. It was brilliant. Yeah. Um, that we have the story of, if you go way, way back to the book of Enoch and the book of Genesis, you have the daughters of men, that communicated with the fallen angels that uh, not communicated did a lot more than communicate, uh, right. you know, get in the, get in the bed with these fellows. Right. And from that produced hybrid offspring. And those are the giants, the men of renown, right? This is the whole story. It's just all ancient texts. We can take it as we will, but it really makes you wonder. There are people that believe that this shit's real and have preserved their traditions and practices behind the scenes for a long time. And what do you think they're showing you in Hollywood and in the music industry and in their music videos? What do you think uh, all these ritual performances are on stage in front of young children? It, they're telling you who they are. So I'm bringing up the whole vampire cult because we speak about this sort of like allegorically, you got energy vampires in your life. You know, these people that mm. sort of leech off your energy. Yeah, that's like the PG version. What if there's like legit vampires in this world who are not necessarily otherworldly beings, but are corrupted humans that actually engage in ancient occult practices of blood drinking of humans or even cannibalism to the point of ritual sacrifice because they have a belief system that that somehow empowers their spiritual and physical vessel. So, Josh, if I were to say vampires uh, where, where, where do you sit on that? <sighs> it makes me want to go and watch this clip that I'm about to play <laughs> okay, <here we laughs> because, because this was on the Joe Rogan podcast. I don't know who this guy was, but it makes a lot of sense when you listen to this. Okay. I'm going to play this clip, clip real quick. I'm it. glad you just came right to that. that just go right to the vampire shit. All right, let's listen do it. to this. 
a branch off of sort of hominid upper primates that would be 10 times more intelligent than a human, that would keep the human numbers in check. The way that, that you, you're conscious or I'm conscious now, it can hold two or three or four versions of consciousnesses like that in its head. So it can look at topics from multiple real points of view. What it does is it basically goes into hibernation like a vampire. It lets the human population build up. Over a few generations, its existence may have been turned into myth and then hunts the population down again, right? Because its brain structure is so different and because it's such an excellent predator, its visual cortex is different to a human and it calculates like horizontal and vertical simultaneously. It's like a pattern recognition system for hunting. Only a few thousand years ago, there were no right angles in nature, but humans started building geometry buildings. That caused an overlap in its visual cortex that looks like a right angle and it sent the vampires into grand mole epileptic seizures so we misinterpreted that as holding up crosses <laughs> right <laughs> i love joe's face is like what the fuck <laughs> well it is what the, i mean think about it what yeah. if there was a evolutionary branch of human humanity that was more cunning more intelligent less in numbers Harder for them to reproduce. And they they sit dormant and wait for the numbers to increase of population. And then they wait for their time to attack. Well, I mean, and <laughs> how many movies have we been watching about this? There are some excellent films that most people don't even know have been done about the Dracula story. And the, mm -hmm. even the Dracula story is like, not even the full story that comes out of the original myths and legends. Don't, don't forget, every movie you've ever watched was not an original idea most of the right. time. But these are repackaged from the archive of lost history that nobody's reading to you. People like Charles Fort were collectors of those original stories. Okay, that's what he did. And many others have done it. And it makes you wonder... What if there's something to this? Now, it might not be literal. It might not be like actual vampire. Fan, I don't know. But we can even just work, if you're if that's too freaky for you, we can work out of the realm of belief. Yeah. Okay, there are cannibal cults that exist in the world right now. I don't think that's too shocking for people. Like, is that super shocking? I don't know. Is that controversial to say? There, no, there are, no. There I, I think people in, that. There are, there are indigenous tribes. There are people that still cannibalize human beings. Okay. Um, we look at them in this cartoonish way of, oh, they're just all these primitive tribes in the Amazon or Australian Aborigines or some shit. <laughs> I feel like they just get the bad press. And I'm not saying that maybe they do some of that, like an archaic version of that. But like that stuff, like get into the Marquis de Sade. I brought him up already. And this is like yeah. French aristocracy. Okay. Templars, like the whole thing. All right. The Holy Grail. What the fuck do you think that really is? Like be honest. All right. Be honest. What are the, okay. Not what you think it is. Scratch that. What do you think these people think the Holy grail is? Hmm. Right. What do you think the elixir of life is that was commissioned by the Knights of Malta, who is one of my prime candidates in cult of the medics that we look at, they had a, they had a mandate by the Vatican to discover the elixir of life that was spoken about to, to, and the elixir of life, this goes into the Arturian legend. This mm -hmm. goes into Holy blood, Holy grail. This goes into every quest ever Alexander, the great, all of them trying to find eternal life. Um, what do you think they're doing with the transhumanist thing? What do you think that is? That's a digitized monitor, modern version of the old quest of finding the elixir of life. 
the fountain of youth, looking in the mirror and it makes you younger. This is the dream of these elites, okay? So what if they found it? And what if it happens to come from human resources? And then what so, if they then created an entire apparatus, this vampiric cult, whether they're literal vampires the way we think of them, like Brad Pitt in fucking Interview with the Vampire, or whether it's just a cult that looks for everlasting life by harvesting human products. Um, what if there's something along those lines that's going on behind the scenes that would explain the level of evil and depravity that we hear about? David, I think they made a movie about this, and I think we already did a show yes, on yes. this movie specifically. Um, Jupiter Ascending. They did. They did. And I think that is the most, they got it. I think that's the most, honestly, with everything that we've talked about, I'm, I'm telling you, these overseers, they're, they're more advanced technologically. They're not from here, and they're most likely human. I, it's just my feeling. It's well, and they, and they, and then what was the theory, thesis in that film? And people are like, what are you looking at movie scripts for, bro? Like, that's not yeah. research. Let's explain that a little bit, actually. This is a good time to do that. We've done yeah. this before. Actually, Josh and I did a whole thing on Jupiter Ascending. We've spoken about it a bunch. The guys that made The Matrix, who everybody looks up to, oh, The Matrix, yeah, that's basically a documentary, right? Okay, so they made Jupiter Ascending as well. And Hollywood producers... I've worked in Hollywood. I've spoken to some very interesting people. I've seen some things. And let me tell you, they get a kick out of telling the population true things through fiction. Mm -hmm. In fact, that was, aside from any evil intent behind it, that was the original way that knowledge was passed. It was passed through myth, through campfire tale, through legend, through, you know, grandma's telling you the bedtime story about the boogeyman or the headless horseman or whatever. Right. But why did they tell children those myths? Because they weren't just fabrications. They were over exaggerated dramatizations of real shit. And if you look at all the myths and legends of the world as that, not that there's a Zeus thunder God and there's all this stuff going on and they're it, it, but that those are allegories that point to other truths that are a lot more mm -hmm. real than you think. Right. Yep. And that those stories are passed through the right brain of humanity through history, the right brain, meaning the big concepts, the allegories, the myth side. And we did this also with Laura Lee as well. She's good on this and to oh, awesome, good on this, yeah. where you go, well, there's the myth, but what if the myth has to be attached to a left brain concept as well, which is more rooted in the facts of reality and the mm. patterns, right? So then what I think they do is they tell you the, the true lies through the left brain media, which is your news media. And they tell you a lot of truths through the right brain media, which is your entertainment media. And the reason is, and the reason you might laugh at us for even talking about films as being any level of uh, an indication of something real is because that's the best place to hide the truth because yeah. if they have a thing where they believe that they can't operate outside of telling us what they're doing in the same way that a Ted Bundy needs to tell his victim what he's about to do to them before he does it. Um, and they have a karmic belief or whatever, or just a sadistic pleasure in doing it. They need to tell us the story, but they can't tell you directly. So they tell you through, an inference or a story or a metaphor, 
okay? This is how all knowledge was transferred previously. And then only recently when we developed like science and logic and reason that, that we started bringing things down to these deductive ways of explaining things. But the old way was through myth and fairy mm -hmm. tales and grandmother's tales and old wives tales. And that doesn't mean any of that shit isn't true in a concept. Doesn't mean there's werewolves and all that. Who knows? It just means that what is a werewolf? What does it represent? What does a vampire, as you've been told, classically represent to you? It's a mythologized version of something real. And that's, it's the reason that he, we have to tell, even people, there's producers that would, in Hollywood, think of a Stanley Kubrick or some of these people that would love to tell you directly what they know. They would love to tell you about what really went down on Epstein Island and that there's a gazillion islands, okay? They would love to tell you these things, but it's not even that they can't all the time. I don't know if it's always because it's classified and they think they're going to get whacked. I think they just know you would never believe it. Your, your brain is not ready for it. This is the discussion about disclosure we're, we're having. Are, is humanity ready? There's days yeah. that I actually start to agree with with hiding it because I'm like, I, I can't even get people to stop wearing two masks alone in their car, let alone tell them about the bigger picture we're talking about. But Hey, aside from that, um, what they need to do is tell you indirectly so that you don't lynch them because humanity has a track record of lynching truth tellers. Let's never forget that. It wasn't always the aristocrats and the elites that did that. It was the masses of people that did that. Mm -hmm. okay? And two, your brain can't process the full scale of the truth. 99% mm. of people in the hospital, if he ever told you. So they still have to tell you because otherwise that's a closed circuit in the system. So they still like to put it out there, give you a chance at survival in this game. And so they tell you subliminally through the right brain. And then those that know how to follow the patterns, they have the keys of decipherment. They have symbolic literacy. They know what's going on. They'll be able to tell you indirectly and this is their get out of jail free card i'm not saying it's the well, right isn't thing. that what we do well and i'm and i'm not even saying that's the, it's just the way it is and that is what we try to do so that's my intro to why i look at hollywood movies and shows and some of these things not all of them there's just specific instances where i see them pulling i know whether even the producers knew it or not they're pulling from the archive of um mythologic mythological history and they're just recasting all the characters what marvel mm -hmm. is this is what all it is why it's the best-selling films of all time that's why star wars was the best-selling film all that is because they're de they're dealing in archetypes that come from the phylogenetic memory that trigger your memory that's why you resonate with it and they're also telling you veiled truths veiled truths meaning there's a truth behind a veil of metaphor Right. And only, and so that's kind of how I see it, but how do you see so, it? So, well, and just use the example. I, I see it. Dude, you, you nailed it. I mean, well said and going to Jupiter ascending. Um, what I see is the, the allegory that earth is a prison. It's a, it's a, um, it's a farm it's owned and that the overseers on this planet, um, are highly more technologically advanced, well beyond anything, that they believe they are superior to humanity, that they have way more knowledge 
of who and what we are, knowledge of our origins. If we go from Jupiter ascending, they um, or Orthros or whatever the planet was, they know of human origins, origination of human origins. It uh, appears from the symbology of that movie that humanity basically is is gluttonous, sinful, and predominantly evil within their nature, and that Earth was this kind of one place that was not corrupted. Uh, by the external um, um, human culture. It was kind of uninfluenced by humanity's reign, but it is a farm and that they farm humanity to a various level of population. They get that population fat and then they harvest them for their aspect of longevity. And they allow that harvesting to basically produce a system of immortality for them so they can preserve their rule and reign. At least that's what I got from it, uh, from Jupiter Ascending. And it doesn't mean that they're aliens on another planet or humanity's not from this planet or or whatnot. You can take the allegory in so many different ways. But what it does mean is that the Wachowski sisters, because they one's post-op and one's pre-op, trans, um, they were trying to send you a message. And the message they were sending you, whether they were doing it on, on uh, well, they were definitely doing it on purpose, whether they were doing it on purpose as they, they may have been commissioned to do it. It might not even be right. their idea. That's what they might. Remember. Yeah. Might've been yeah. commissioned to do it. Cause they did other movies too, that talk about the, you know, reincarnation, the enlightenment yeah. of the soul. Uh, but when we look at what they were trying to relay to us is that you live on a prison planet. You are a farmed commodity. Um, Dr. Michael Sala, I was talking to Dr. Michael Sala a few years ago, and it was my brother Jason and I, and he was talking about the numbers of the human trafficking trade and what's really happening. He says that um, human beings are traded throughout the galaxy, that you know they use Antarctica, and whether we believe this or not, but it, it, it comes to be... idea. Yeah, yeah it, it, that human beings are traded as slave race throughout the galaxy, and some people use this as food, and some people use this as slave slave race or whatnot. And uh, then Jason asks, he goes, well, what do they exchange for... Wh what is the currency in, in the galaxy? And he said, DNA. DNA. Genetic material. And, and I always looked at this because this was so fascinating to me. Because if you understand blockchain technology, okay, uh, one Bitcoin is not like another Bitcoin. Every Bitcoin is its unique hash code. It's unique um, um, encryption, right? It has no Bitcoins ever going to be like, and that's how we know it because that's written onto the primary blockchain that this person has this Bitcoin and we can see all the transactions that Bitcoin's ever done, all the hands that ever had it and who holds it now. And so therefore it makes each Bitcoin completely unique unto itself. Well, isn't that genetic material? Isn't that this DNA? Is, it's a very good metaphor for it, for it, sure. It, it, it's all DNA is, is, is the blockchain, biological blockchain. That's what it is. Quite literally where our DNA then becomes of uh, this currency. And now if you have a universe full of, or a galaxy full of species that have interacted with each other, there's nothing new under the sun, but now you find this new genetic species that has massive diversified properties within its DNA, hidden codons deep inside of it that are suppressed. Oh, that becomes incredibly valuable. Yeah, exactly. Especially if there's a unique code. Like what if us humans here have a very unique genetic code that is sought after because of its uniqueness. 
And a lot and of people have said this. That's that's a pretty big theory in that world. And and for those people that think, I mean, we are on Friday Night Fringe, so this is very suitable. But just so you know, when I did Chapter Ten, I made it very a, a very conscious um, effort to not make it dogmatic here, to to mm -hmm. and not just to give you my personal theories. I haven't even laid out my personal theories. I have my own little way of seeing it. But I tried to say my best explanation for all the same data that I've looked at and that we've looked at in the series so far and that you and I talk about, and I'm sure people have looked at by now, when we look at all the same data about this human farm concept, right? We can conclude that there's probably three basic explanations for it. This is just where my mind went. Maybe there's more, but just very simply to keep it as general as possible. And in the chapter, I try to leave the freedom for you to look at the data we've looked at and conclude which one you think is best for you. In the end, the truth is going to win. So it doesn't matter. But the idea is that you basically have our overseers. Who are the overseers? Well, the overseers are one of three things in my mind. They are a corrupted faction of human beings that has a belief system that they are superior to the rest of us. They are sort of a breakaway civilization of human beings that just have a freaky cult belief system that they're better than everybody else and they have the right to rule and this is what gives them carte blanche. And they just have beliefs in the gods and the ET overlords or whatever and that they believe they're serving them. But they're, fucking, they're psychopaths, they're cultists. Cultists do weird shit all the time. So, you know, that's one explanation as to what explains this level of anti-human behavior. It, it just starts to get really interesting when you realize that we're looking at something that didn't just get made up in like 2020. Like it's right. something that goes way back. And so then you go, okay, maybe these human overseers have looked at that ancient archive. It's influenced them. And then they've created their own little mini cult out of it. And then they just operate. And the main driving force is just power. Like we're dealing with a cult of power at the end of the day. And they don't care. They've sort of divorced themselves from the rest of what they look at as the lower primates, the lower humans. And they see themselves as the gods and that. So that could be one. And I could make a very good case that that's what it is. All right. Mm -hmm. Then I offer the second where we could get into some of our talks with Tom Montauk, and I'm going to pull some of that into chapter 11 and some other elements beyond the veil where we're looking into, okay, what if we've got oh, the overseers are non-human spiritual or interdimensional entities that are able to walk into human uh, vessels, take them over, or at least influence them to do their bidding. And that what we see as the extensions of that, this would be very David Icke with the reptilian interdimensional whatevers. And you'd be like, okay, it's very interdimensional. And he's moved away a lot from the physical side of this. He's like, it's all interdimensional spiritual. And a lot of people go there and I understand why. And they go, okay, it's all spiritual interdimensional, the religions, you could have your demons and angels explanations and all that. Like, okay, okay. That's an interesting way to look at it as well, that we could be dealing with something that's like beyond the veil of, physical reality that's influencing this on the ground level. Very compelling case. It's a very compelling case. And then the third option, it's, it's very much the uh, option we were just talking about, which is that we're just dealing in the same way that we have human factions on this planet that have taken a dominant position. And then you have the sort of more primitive tribes that still live out in the 
in the wilderness that are disconnected from everything. You have this sort of off-planet, non-human, extraterrestrial um, level of it that's controlling what's going on. That it's very simple. It's just like certain countries are controlled by the UN and NATO and the American and military industrial complex. Imagine that just extrapolated galactically. It just, just a very simple way to look at it. And that you see that there are other life forms that look at humans in the same way that humans look at animals on the planet as a resource, right? So that's another explanation. And then I say, hey, what if it's a mix of all three? <laughs> I mean, and there we go. So that's my best crack at this mm -hmm. and my humble approach to this of just like, there's my things. Everybody can fill it in where they want. But what am I getting at? The agenda is anti-human. The people are operating in an anti-human capacity. The barbaric evil that we see is extremely anti-human. And that's where we start to go. Is it just humans that are psychopathic doing us to ourselves? Or is it something else that's not us? And I'll leave it to the audience to kind of make up their own mind on that one. Let's watch this clip because this is gets us into this next section. Mm -hmm. section. Nice. So let's look at each one of these and see how we can get this down to zero. Uh, probably one of these numbers is going to have to get pretty near to zero. Uh, that's back from high school algebra. But let's, let's take a look. Uh, first, we've got population. Uh, the world today has 6.8 billion people. That's headed up to about 9 billion. Now, if we do a really great job on new vaccines, healthcare, reproductive health services, we could lower that by perhaps 10 or 15%. We've got to stabilize the population. When I was born, no, there were So too, what's wrong with the population? I mean, we're too many people. That's what, that's why we have global warming. We have global warming because too many people are using too much stuff. But they if there were less people, they'd be using less but stuff. In one way or another, yes. we are so far, globally, we are so far above the population and the consumption levels, which can be supported by this planet that I know in one way or another it's going to come back down. So I don't hope to avoid that. Uh, I hope that it can occur in a, a, a civil way. I, 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 and I mean civil in a, in a special way. I, peaceful. Peace doesn't mean uh, that everybody's happy, but it means that conflict isn't solved through violence. Through force, uh, but rather in other ways. And so uh, that's what I hope for. The planet can support something like a billion people, maybe two billion, depending on how much liberty and how much material consumption you want to, to have. If you want more liberty and more consumption, you have to have fewer people. I mean, we could even have eight or nine billion probably if we have a very strong dictatorship which is smart most legal systems today in the world are based on a belief in human rights but what are human rights human rights just like god and heaven are just a story that we've invented you know <laughs> what a fucking loser eh? sorry i'll tell you one thing i can't believe that nobody's done this yet is um paris hilton just had a baby is why hasn't anybody took Yuval Noah Harari's head and put it on that baby? Did you see all the pictures going around about this? 
No, I didn't. I She's no got idea. a baby. It's, it's got a. It's a cute baby, but he has like an oval head and looks like an alien. So people were transplanting like alien heads on it and stuff, and just making fun of the baby. It was so. It was bad. Oh but he looks like you've all know Harari. <laughs> but maybe he is. Uh, who knows? But what was said there, yeah. I find incredibly interesting. Because there's a trend line that I think that you're trying to show there is yep. number one, they both talked about um, where population is heading. Bill Gates said, We're heading, this is a few years, so this is about five years ago when he said this, uh, we're heading up towards nine million. Nine billion. Yeah. Or not, yeah, nine billion. You notice how he didn't say 10 billion. Notice how he didn't say 20 billion. Notice how he didn't say, you know, in 2050, we're going to be at uh, 11 billion. He said we're heading upwards towards nine billion, which we just hit this last year, and now it's starting to come back down. Hmm. And he was kind of giving you a hint there, I think, with uh, with Bill Gates there. But then you go into um, Ted Turner, and he's like, "No, there's just too many people." Then you go into the dentist guy, and that's where it got really interesting because he's Club of Rome, just so people know. Yeah, he's important. Club of Rome. And one interesting thing that he says is he talks about the population and freedom or liberty mm -hmm. being um, kind of inversely proportional. Is the less people you have, the more freedom and liberty you can have. But the more people you have, you need more totalitarian restrictive states. Yeah. And one thing that I saw is if we take in the farm concept, the Jupiter ascending concept, in Jupiter ascending, they would harvest a planet when it was ready, and they would harvest the entire population and then start it over. Oh, damn. Oh, I know right? where you're going with this. Yep. So yep. why do they want to depopulate the world below 9 billion? Mm. It goes back that, hey, they might be psychopaths. They might be horrible. But what if they're trying to retain their power and control over this planet away from the overseers and like, Hey, sorry, we had a pandemic and shit. We lost 6 billion people are bad. We'll get those numbers back up next quarter. They look at like a system overload. They hit a system overload or something at a certain point. Yeah. At 10 billion people, yeah. all of a sudden those overseers are coming down and they're harvesting everybody, even the overseers. Well, and here's another little thing to add to that, man. That's, that's a good catch. Um, what if when Dennis Meadows is talking about this, about liberty and how much freedom you want to have. Maybe he's not talking about us. Maybe he's talking about them. Hmm. Because think about it. The more pieces moving around on the chessboard, the harder it is to control. Right. Okay. Let's just like, it's a numbers basic thing. It's easier to control less people than it is more. And what if you had an agenda that had to be hid behind the veil of a bunch of secret societies and weird freaky cults for a long time. The agenda for humanity. That's what it's called. That's what the Royal Society called it. That's what they call it. The agenda for humanity. What is the agenda for humanity? What is that? There's an agenda for humanity. Did anybody know there's an agenda? What is it? Who's doing it? Is it good for us? We don't even know. But it was cooked up in these secret society networks. And I do this whole history for you in a premium, a truth warrior premium that I did called the occult conspiracy. And I go into Michael Howard's work and other insiders who talk about what was known behind the lodge doors 
and what they figured out and basically to get the premise of where these guys got their belief system from. Like Dennis Meadows in the Club of Rome, I found it very interesting that a lot of the words they're using come out of like 1700s writers from the Masonic orders. You just And some of these guys like Giuseppe mm -hmm. Manzini and whatever. So this, this is what gave me the hint that the, none of this shit is new. Like this isn't something that the Club of Rome made up or, you know, the UN made up. They're carrying out an occult agenda. And I say it's occult because it was hidden and occulted from the view of the public by secret societies for a long time. And now we are here, right? It's so, almost like an occult directive. Yeah. An ancient knowledge that we have to preserve this state because if we don't, bad shit's going to happen. Right. And, and what's the bad shit? Is it climate change is going to melt the earth? We got to stop that. And the only way to stop that is for let more people to be using less stuff. And so we don't know how to get people to stop using less stuff that we're selling to them through our ancillary organizations that are all owned by BlackRock and Vanguard. But it's, we just got to get rid of the people. That's the big thing. Is that really true? Like maybe Dennis Meadows believes it. Maybe Bill Gates believes it. But these guys are pawns. They're a bunch of beta pawns. Okay. Yep. Boy, boy, pawns. That's why they don't like direct aggression and violence. Because see, the alphas in the room would go, oh, there's too many humans in the world. Humans, there's too many. Uh, line up on the wall. We'll just take you all <laughs> right now. Like out in the open, no need to hide. None of this cloak and dagger bullshit. See, the reason these- but Dennis is like, he wants it peaceful. Yeah, this is a big one. The reason they act conspiratorially meaning they hide behind the door and they whisper and they form a little club and they don't tell anybody what's going on. Who does that? Criminals and people who are afraid of being discovered. Who are afraid of being discovered? People who aren't alphas, people who are in beta consciousness. And I'm cheap keeping that as simple as possible. So that's why they're all spindly little soys, skinny neck, pencil necked, little pushovers that are trying to tell the world what they need to do is because they don't possess like what a Conan the Barbarian or a Genghis Khan or a freaking Nero would have put, you know what I mean? These are like the new version of it. Okay. Yeah. And they come out and they go, well, we've done all the math. There's too many humans. We need to hit this number. And they might not know the real, they're, they're facilitating an even higher agenda than what they think. Because like what David Icke was breaking down in chapter 10, the section that I did, this was the interview you and I did with him was the stages of compartmentalization in the right. spider's web. He talks about the spider's web. And he said it right in the interview. He's like, well, we all know what David Icke's opinion is, but his thing is there's the spider, which ultimately isn't human. And I love how he says, and we can get into that if you like. And then he's like, <laughs> but oh, and he's like, that's the biggest secret of all is that the spider isn't human. And then from the spider out to the strands of the web, you're going to meet your secret society networks. And then from there, you're going to meet your round table groups. And then you're going to meet your, political groups like the world economic forum that everybody knows and all that. And then you're going to get filter it down to the level that, you know, throughout that entire compartmentalized structure, the further away from the spider that you get, the less the people involved know the bigger picture, the closer to the spider you get, the more elite level you get, the more people know more of the agenda, but the real agenda is only known by the spider. Okay. Yeah. So, and the close network to them. And I thought of that movie, um, Dark City, another phenomenal whistleblowing film that if you watch that movie, watch that movie after this show, 
and uh, let me know what you think they're telling you with that one. Okay, Dark City, nineteen ninety. I haven't watched it in years. I haven't watched it in years. Film. Is that Phenomenal. where he opens the door at the end and they're traveling through space? Yeah, yeah. There's some good ones. All right. So, um, so you think? All right. So, where does a Club of Rome guy like Aurelio Paquet or Dennis Meadows or any of these these go these guys or Paul Ehrlich, you know, wrote the population? But where do they really sit? Um, they sit in a particular place where they might be ideologically convinced in their arguments, right? I believe that. I believe you have to believe it. I don't think they're yeah. out, Bill Gates is out there like knowingly lying. These are MK Ultra Manchurian candidates that are put out in the public, okay? And then the real agenda is known that the world is not going to end in 10 years due to climate change. Cow farts are not causing it. Humans are not causing it. Um, yes, there's pollution. Yes, there's it. But the, the way they're selling it is because they're trying to facilitate a deeper agenda, which is to have less humans. And, and I think it's not just, I think it goes deeper than just depopulation. I think it's depopulation of certain genetic Bitcoin signature codes mm. to leave only a certain group left that possess a particular quality. And those are going to be the superior slaves of the future or the inferior slaves well inferior to this yeah we could yeah so you know they they could breed out the the alphas they could breed out yeah. those who have strong genetic lineage back to the uh pre-diluvian time frames or those who have um uh you know strong blood right well and bring about really those who are easily manipulated yeah go ahead. yeah here, here's what you're, you're on the right track what is free will does it exist? And if it does exist, is it possible that only certain beings have access to it? <laughs> oh, that's you just that, put the twist in there at the end. It's a twister because right now, this was I had this kind of premonition a while ago where I I kind of sat back, and this was in like 2015, 2016 era, where you had all these atheist guys coming out, like your Sam Harris's and all those guys right. coming out and advocating for the fact that free will didn't exist, right? And they were packaging it in this like new scientific language. Oh, we did all this neurology and this and that. And they look at the brain as a computer. They don't believe in consciousness or anything like that. So they just go, okay, it, we, clearly humans are predetermined beings. We're, we're mathematically determined by our genetics. So therefore there's no such thing as free will. And this, I realized right away, because I've done a lot of study of religion and philosophy, and I went, oh, this is just a repackaging of the old fatalism argument, determine, uh, fate versus free will. Mm -hmm. And it's funny because in like Christianity and certain religions, the concept of free will always survived. It survived in that religion. Thank God. And then in these newer cults, these more materialist cults, they destroyed that concept altogether. And they went, no, no, you're predetermined robots. And I just started to think right back then, as soon as I heard the arguments, I went, well, if what he's saying is true, let's give him the, if what he's saying is true, that free will doesn't exist, then freedom can't exist. Freedom itself is an illusion. And then I went, that's why they're selling this argument to the public. Hmm. Now, these guys might, these chumps might be convinced of it. And I could cite the philosophers that would take them to fucking town. They would send Sam Harris home crying and hiding under his bed because they have superior arguments and superior intellects and they could absolutely demolish this argument that there's no such thing as free will. And I, I'm going with him because maybe you could make the argument that 
there's a limited amount of free will that we have, which I'm, I'm on that page. We have a certain amount of free will. We have a certain amount of the ability to form what uh, I put it in the end with Nathaniel Brandon, uh, who is a phenomenal thinker on this, who, who he was saying, you need to be able to form judgments as a, as an autonomous being. You need to be able to make decisions that are going to link directly with your survival. And you even need to make the decision as to whether or not you believe free will exists or not. So there in, in lies the problem for these materialists that think you're controlled by antecedent forces or whatever. So I went, all right, so that is the belief system that the real overseer high tables have given to their little minions to sell to the public. And I'll bet you they all believe it too, but they need that in the public mind and they launched that narrative in like 2015. And when I mean launched, obviously this is an age old debate. It went viral. It went viral. Okay. You had Steve Pinker, you had Sam Harris, you had, what's his name from the, from England, another atheist, Daniel Dennett and all those other guys, um, coming out with this and they became very popular, best-selling New York times recommended authors, right? Then what happens? Trump gets elected 2016, right? Yeah. Things start getting all crazy after that. And then the, um, the announcement happens in 2020 of the Great Reset, which is what? Your country cannot make decisions for your people. You need an unelected bureaucracy from Davos to prescribe the solutions to all the world's problems for you. And right. they made the case for the global government under the health pandemic. Okay. And then go back to Dennis Meadows. Exactly. And that goes back to Dennis Meadows. So what I'm saying is when you hear him talking, when you hear these people talking, when you can identify the underlying premise of their worldview and their philosophy, it starts to make sense why they can capture these people into that net and they can sell it to them and go, oh, it's a simple equation. All you guys fighting for freedom are all crazy. That's why they look at you as crazy because they go, freedom doesn't exist because free will doesn't exist. If free will doesn't exist, then freedom is an illusion. And we need, what did Yoel Harari say? What did Dennis Meadows say? We need a totalitarian state or we need depopulation to address the problems of the planet. You see where so, we're going? Dude, you know, you nailed it on the head when you said 2015 is the time frame that they launched that, that atheist agenda because it was 2015 that they also launched a flat earth agenda. And, and if we look at it is that the flat earth agenda, which I believe is a controlled psyop, um, is counterintuitive to free will. Because what it's showing these people who once believed in the aspect of free will and an all-powerful God is that they live in this prison, a restrictive prison that is fake and everything around it is fake from the sun and the stars and the sky and that nothing within that prison is real, not even the decisions and choices that they make, that it's all deterministic. And so... If, and so what did that do? That encapsulated a lot of those people within the religious doctrines into that psyop and started aligning them. And it's growing and it's got massive, but uh, massive growth these days. And guys, it is literally a psyop that is teaching people that, that number one, you live in a prison, which you do, but there isn't this magical dome that's projecting all this stuff over top of you. Well, they're just um, taking literal these out there. They're, right. It's repackaged Gnostic cults is what it is. They you well, can it see is, it right, right through it. It's just all the same that's sold. And I think they just have different nets set up for different people and people can make of it what they will. But 
in the but end. But then it, li- it limits the reach of your free will. It, it restricts right. your it's aspect of free will. Yeah, that's, that's right. right. It restricts the aspect of free will. And, and you're right about that. And then Donald Trump came along and said, it's all fake, dude. Guys, you're like, it's fake news. It's, it's all bullshit. And then yeah. obviously the Q stuff and that kind of threw the fork in the spokes. And that's kind of why we are at where we're at today. And they're trying to speed up this agenda. Um, you know, there's a few parts here. Now you you talked about David Souter or not, it wasn't David Souter. It's was one of the the three aspects of why they would do this, whether it's a cult of power or whatnot. Um, you know, I can't see human beings, even sociopathic human beings, being able to persist this for two thousand years just through secret societies and cults. Um, to me, there has to be some type of external influence, whether that's human or not human. Um, mm-hmm. But there's some greater agenda at foot that is more than, okay, we got to retain power. Because if it was just the power argument, then why go public? Why right. take it public? You, you, had, you had the power clandestinely behind the scenes without anybody knowing about it. You could have controlled technological rollout. You could have controlled the internet at the get-go. You could have controlled all the intelligence agencies and kept under wraps the human trafficking and all these types of things. They had it all under wraps. It was all clandestine. Nobody knew about any of it. It was all occulted. But now it's coming public, and they're open and honest about it. Hmm. To me, that's a preparation for something, something above them that they don't necessarily want to bring all this information out or tell people what they're going to do because they know that now that they will become the targets, which they have soon, they won't be able to walk down the streets, but whatever is happening, they have to, it's being presented. It is coming to the surface and it is becoming to be known and they don't care because whatever I think is giving them direction, whatever is controlling them. I think that they're more terrified of that than they are of us. Yeah, that, that's the other thing is that's the other thing that's kind of always in the back of my mind that a lot of these people that are holding secrets behind the scenes, right? And that know what's going on. You know, we start speculating, are they all blackmailed? Yeah, there's definitely that. Are they paid off? Are they just cultists that believe in the doctrine? Um, you know, were they raised in these families and put through these rituals? And then, they, you know, or are they, is there a gun to their head? And I'm talking about like a bigger gun than you can imagine. Like there's a sort of idea that at certain periods in time in history, it seems like a reset occurred where you got these stories of floods and cataclysms and a mass depopulation events that took place. You know, um, if you read um, Ignatius Donnelly's book on Atlantis that he wrote in like 19, early 1900s, the first few chapters of that book are pretty daunting because he goes through a record of mass extinction events that took place on different continents that are not really, you're not taught about these, but you can go look them up and he tracked them. And we're talking about how like a a whole area of like 200,000 people, like the earth opened up and just swallowed them like through cataclysm, like shit like that. And he was going through all these things and then he was talking about the major event that sunk what he called the Atlantean Empire, and then history restarted. And everything we know, we think we know about history, only started after that reset, but that there's all these chapters that are missing from previous resets. And this kind of gets into the Kali Yuga and the way they see 
the the cycles of time. We could bring Michael Cremo back on to talk about this. He believes this stuff. Where like there's been many mock versions of humanity that have come and gone and civilizations have risen and fallen many, many, many times. And then when we go, we got all oh, the ancient Sumerians and the Egyptians and all the way back in the old Testament. And well, that's the beginning. And then it's not the beginning. It was just the restart, right? It was, that was the reset back then. And um, that's just one theory. And, and you go, okay, well, what is doing that? Is that a natural thing that happens? Does the earth do that? It's like somehow, do we go through cosmic cycles that influence changes on the planet, like Emmanuel Velikovsky style, you know, or, or is there something at a control switch that's just like, nuke, done, next, let's try or, again. Or like, is it the, the harvesting of humanity? Right, it's the harvesting program, you know, like this is all speculation, but it's just interesting because you got to start to think, well, what's behind this? And you start to wonder, like there's people that go into positions of power and you're genuinely convinced that they're going to be the one that's going to come out and tell everybody everything. Or, you know, I even remember talking to Bob Dean mm -hmm. and he'd be like, I was for disclosure of all the things that were hidden from American people and from the world about what's known uh, um, by the military industrial complex about, you know, the others and but there are many that don't believe that humanity should get that information and we hear these whispers of oh they're going to disclose the truth about all that and they're going to and it never fucking happens and i don't think it I, I i'm just I, i'll believe it when i see it i hope it but you go what if it's not us humans that control whether that comes out or not or whether all these truths get revealed it, it has to be done in a certain way and that brings me to the question of who really gets to make the final decision on that. Mm. Is it the Department of Defense? Is it the President of the United States? Is it, you know, any of these things? Or is there something else bigger? And these guys are towing the line because they've seen who really runs. They've they're in the know about who really runs this shit. And they're under instruction, right? That this can't be made known until the, the right time and in the right way. And so we get little hints and whatnot, but in the end and there might be people that are saying things they don't even believe because there's yeah. a gun to their head they they know okay if if we say this if we tell you the whole truth there will be a mass extinction event as a result this was sort of talked about even in the mythology about pissing off the gods they talk about this oh well you pissed off poseidon because you revealed the secrets to humanity when they weren't ready your whole area is getting flooded like i know it's all mythology but it just kind of makes me think sometimes you know, are the people that are holding the secret, are the Illuminati, these groups, well, are they in the know about something that we don't know that is the reason for all of this that actually makes logical sense? You know, I always keep that on the back burner. It's not something I believe or want to believe, but I always think that's an interesting take, you know? So, you know, when you're talking about that, the Poseidon thing and then the occult aspect of it, 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 it makes my mind go to kind of... Uh, a lot of the thoughts that I've had about um, occult literature and one of the main premises of a lot of occult societies is this evolution of consciousness, is this expansion of this Christhood, the, the mm -hmm. attainment of Christhood, the attainment of enlightenment um, in that um, the enlightened beings, have you ever noticed that when they come back, they don't tell you what it is. They don't tell you or explain it to you. 
They give it to you in allegory. They give it to you in parable. They give it to you in story. But they're so vague yeah. that, that it's in, impossible for you to figure it out. But then they tell you is that you're already at that state. You simply just have to realize it, right? And what if that ties into the greater illusion that, and this is just a little transition here, that the overseer and all this stuff, uh, what David Icke talked about, interdimensional, these elitists, what if the secret, the truth that they knew, and the reason they do, specifically what they do, is because this is a simulation. Because just, we just had a guy on Unslave that try, you know, I'm I'm not a favorite. I don't favor simulation theory, but maybe either. that's my own biases. Like, but I, 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 at least aspects are. At least we can use the word simulation. It could also just be that. Well, how about matrix? So a digital big. matrix. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Like a virtual reality. Right. A virtual reality. Now I. We've talked about this before, and I'm just wondering if this plugs in. Like my personal take on that is always that all these theories are thought of where in people's minds. Yeah. So you're in your mind, you're looking upon reality, and you're doing studies, and you're doing all these mathematical equations. And of course, you can do mathematical equations to show that pigs can fly and they can't, right? So you never know, right? So you go, okay, what if it's not that reality itself as it is? is a simulation what if the simulation is driven from within our own minds and superimposed upon the reality yeah. which means we're and this is from philosophy which philosophers was it you know kant or one of these guys that would say the fake reality isn't reality itself we're actually not able to see the full reality as it is because of the limitations of the human brain and the vision and we see only 0 0.005 of the light spectrum and all that stuff and that there's firewalls in our genetic code, which why are those there? And so it's not reality itself that is an illusion or a simulation, but that that the illusion and the simulation is actually manufactured by the human mind as it perceives reality, which, I mean, in the end, does it really matter which one it is? Because we end up with the same feedback loop of interpreting reality incorrectly from its natural state. So there's a prime reality. And I'm, it was the last question, if you remember, that I asked, David, because I know he's really into this, everything's an illusion and all that. And I wanted to ask him, like, do you believe in a prime reality? And I was happy to hear him say that he absolutely did. And that there was something sort of superimposed upon the, the reality, the prime reality right. to make us think it's the reality, but it's not. And um, it's I, would, I would, I would venture to guess that that's not a physical thing, that that's a, a big tangled ball of ideas and belief structures and what you believe is what you perceive. That's where I come from. So I, I guess I just invert it. There's people that favor the external world and everything we see in the space is fake and birds are fake and everything's fucking fake and Joe Biden's fake. Or maybe Joe Biden's fucking, who knows? Maybe, but maybe fun, but yeah. I'm like, no, your interpretation is causing you to see it in a fake way because of limitations of the human brain and our perception and everything else, which is why we keep butting heads in quantum physics. But, but, but take that, that example right there. Okay? Just my thoughts. So take this perspective for a minute. Yeah. Okay. Number one is I can put on a virtual reality headset. 
Um, I can have wirelessly information transferred for, from a server to that virtual reality headset, and I can be put into a completely different virtual realm and world, and I can interact with it. And it, this is like new technology, but it's getting so good that I can feel the glass in my hand because my mind believes I'm actually touching the glass, okay? It, it, it's getting to that point. What is really happening there? You have light stimulating the rods and the cones in your eyes mm -hmm. that is going down your optic nerve to your cerebral cortex, producing electrical impulses that go into your neurological system, certain create certain patterns of fluctuation within the neurons of firing the trillions of neurons that produce images within the mind as the consciousness experiences. Within what are we mind. surrounded yep. by right now? 5G towers projecting electromagnetic waves that are in the same wavelength as thoughts and the neurological patterns within your brain where the trillions of neurons are going like this, this, and this, and this. Right. It, it seems very plausible. It is, but there's places without 5G towers. Absolutely. Right. Like, and how I, do you yeah, feel I, when you get in there? You feel amazing <laughs> when you go to places without <laughs> yeah. 5G towers. It, it, Reality fact, transfer, transitions. Right. Like, Maybe it's because, and maybe someone would just say, I have an attachment to it, but I, I live in a very beautiful place in British Columbia where I'm like out in my backyard is like raw nature. Like there's bears walking around, there's fucking eagles flying overhead. There's yeah. ocean coming in, hitting the rocks. And I'm sitting there watching nature happen around me. And I remember looking during the pandemic when I was going through some of the darker times of it. And I would just leave my house. I would leave all the social media and I would just go sit on the rocks. It's that's actually where that opening scene that, uh, the waves okay. crashing, that's my, that's my place right there. Yeah. And then, um, and I, I go there and I can only describe it in a way that when I was doing a tour one time, I, I met this older woman who was working at a little fruit stand in British Columbia on the side of the road, servicing truckers that would come by or whatever. And she came from like Russia and she just, I looked at her and I was like, Hey, where are you from? She's like, I'm from Russia. And I'm like, where'd you come here? And she goes, I came here to find God. And when I saw the mountains, I, I found God. Hmm. And I went, interesting. What she did was she came here because of the raw power and beautiful organic nature that was as pristine as you can find it in Canada out here in British Columbia. Yeah. And there's certain prairies, Alberta, there's areas all over Canada, actually. It's very untouched. And when you go to those untouched natural places, which 99% of humans very rarely go anymore, they're all in their social media profiles talking about quantum computing and, and fake realities. And yet they don't go out into the natural world very much. And when you go into the natural world and you go to some of those places and you just watch nature. And I would remember watching nature during this lockdown and going, humans are running around doing a lot of batshit crazy things. And yet nature is just doing what it's always done and what it always will do. Not even aware of the craziness of what humans are doing and what we're thinking and what we're believing, not giving a shit. That eagle mm. is going to do what it fucking does all the time. And it's just, it, the waves are going to crash. The sun's going to rise. It's going to set. The stars are going to glow. It's going to be cloudy one day, rainy another. And it's doing its own thing separate from whatever the humans are doing. And I just went, so in the ancient Egyptians, you had the sort of ominous priest class that looked at nature as the expression of the divine 
and this would be the Shinto and some of these other traditions that will look at it as this is the creation of the creator. And so the creator infused itself in the creation in the same way that an artist will infuse personal attributes of itself into a creation of art. Right. And there was that appreciation. They call it aesthetic philosophy, where it's like it's an appreciation of the divinity of nature in a way because it's an extension of the divinity within you. And all things are charged with this photonic light, which is, you know, we're told in the Bible, God is light. So, you know, there you go. And you can, I can have, I've had many moving life altering experiences. You and I've spoken about this, looking up yeah. at the stars one night or, or, or being near an ocean or in a forest or, you know, looking at the animal kingdom and how it works. And, and you just have this like, spiritual experience. In fact, the vast majority of spiritual experiences that people have come when they're in very direct contact with natural world. So when some person walks up to me and says, that shit's fake as fuck, buddy. I'm just like, I'm turned off immediately. I'm like, you don't, you, you want it to be fake. Like I, I feel mm. like that sometimes, you know, this is just where I'm at. This is a personal thing. I might be wrong. I don't know. There's some good arguments. I know I've heard them. Why am I so repulsed by it? It's because of my own personal experience with it. And I go, so, so then, so just to wrap it up. So then yeah, I would yeah, say, yeah. then I would say there is a matrix. There is an illusion. There is a Maya. There is a simulation going on, but it's emanating from within your own being. <laughs> it's not the outside to the inside. It's the inside to the outside. I'm literally just flipping it on its head and saying, yeah, I'm yep. coming to the same conclusion. I'm just, I go with the guys that are telling you, you have a deep antipathy to nature because of the fact that it threatens you because you can't control it and you don't know where it's plugged in and how it's turned on. And so yeah. you've now taken computer language with computers that you feel comfortable with because that's something man invented out of natural elements that has a power button. We can turn it off. We can turn it on. I know how it works. I can tell you how the circuit boards work and I can understand it and I can control it. So I feel safe with that, but I don't feel safe with nature, with God's creation, because I don't know how it's plugged in. I don't know where, it, where the moon turns on and all that. And I don't know where the stars get turned on and I don't see the plugs anywhere. So I can't explain it. That entrenches me with a deep anxiety that I can't control this. And so mm. that anxiety has produced the phantoms of the mind to then go, I don't like reality. And therefore I feel safer in the artificial transhumanist womb of a fake reality that I know where those cords are connected and I know how to turn it on and turn it off. So that's where I come from is that philosophical argument that the vast majority of people that come up with these ideas are looking for what Nathaniel Brandon was illustrating as the greatest evil which was the escape from a volitional consciousness in a natural world. I love it. So, so there's my take. I love this because, sir, so I listen to all the different philosophers and one of the best in the 1990s is a guy by the name of Terrence McKenna. Hmm. I fucking love that. Yeah, shit too. And Terrence McKenna would, would talk about this experience and he would say that I was talking to this doctor and I was telling him about all the states of consciousness I go into when I eat mushrooms or I take a DMT or I smoke cannabis. And the doctor said, well, you're, you're ruining your reality. You're, you're escaping from reality. He goes, no, it's not anything like that. 
He goes, you have to understand that when I take a mushroom, I'm entering a new state of experience. And that is my reality. And he goes, when I take DMT, I'm entering a new state of experience. And that is my reality. Hmm. And he goes, it doesn't matter what environment you're placed into. That is your reality. And that is your experience. And he goes, what matters is how you react to it. Mm. And I just love that because what everything that you just said, yep. that's the truth. Is it, it, it doesn't matter if this is an illusion. It doesn't matter if this is a computer game or simulation. This is your reality. This is it. But if you deny that, if you reject that, that is the reaction to the system that you're not accepting. And therefore, you ultimately will never grow. You'll never evolve. You'll never learn. You'll never expand. But if you accept it wholeheartedly, blanket level, then and you realize that at every point when you're having an experience, that this is my reality. I, I take six hits of LSD and I'm like, ah, that's my reality. And, and nobody can tell me that that's not real because it is. For me, because like you said, it's from here out. Yeah. When we're experiencing that world of LSD, right? We have this feeling inside, but everything that we're experiencing is still all around us. Yeah. It's just a different settings package. That's right. Like on your TV, I can change the contrast. I can change the brightness. I can change there the color go. spectrum. Look at the videos that I'm making. I can change the color grid that I use. That he's a blue back. Like it, it, it's like, just like you and I, Josh, have a physical body that is, you know, we can high five each other. We can't pass through each other. We're physical beings, right? If we're in the same, we're, right now we're digital. We're projecting a digital image of what's happening. But this isn't even, hey, this is an illusion, guys. This conversation on this podcast, mm -hmm. it's a fuck, it's fake, bro. But I am sitting here in my physical body communicating through technology that's allowing me to show you what I'm talking about in real time. And so is Josh, right? But if we were in the same physical room, there's a lot more going on in terms of transfer of pheromones, energy, everything. Okay. And so we've now have a whole generation who's grown up on synthetic technology and is viewing the world through the lens of freaking YouTube and TikTok. Okay. Mm -hmm. Is it any coincidence that it's this digital age that birthed the idea of a computer simulation reality? Now, I get it because there's also a part of me that can understand the language of certain simulation theorists who I actually like. That I can say, all you've really done is taken the old spirit world language from the ancients and just changed the words. But you're telling me the identical story, bro, of the fact that you have a physical vessel that is immersed in the simulation. And then when you die, you go to another extension realm of consciousness and you then maybe reincarnate or whatever you think. But that death is not the end. The reality that we see is not what we think it is. I totally get it. It's vibrating and blah, blah, blah. But you're just telling me the mechanisms that doesn't prove that it's not real. Mm. 
it's real. There's real consequence. I mean, wouldn't you love for worlds, the world to work like a video game? Wouldn't every human being love for, for, for everything to work like Mark Zuckerberg's metaverse where you can be any avatar you want? This is where the trans shit's coming from. You can be whatever you want. It's all just fake. It's all an illusion. We just made it up. It's a social construct. Wouldn't you love that? You know what you're doing? I'll tell you what some of the certain philosophers I could name would tell you. You're evading reality because of the anxiety that reality itself induces in you. And you are creating phantoms in your mind to mask your fear of real hard reality. Like Morpheus said, welcome to the world of the real. And I use that example to David Icke because he was talking about the Matrix a lot. He loves the Matrix as an example. And I, I always thought of the Matrix as like, the, the reality that's been cast into your mind by like the media and the fake news and the false prophets and the false teachers. And then we form belief systems and conclusions. And then we view the world through the lens of the self. And so that's the illusion. It's internal. And I went, even in the matrix, Morpheus himself still delineated an actual hard reality. It just, the fact of the reality was, is it was a it was a shit. The reality was in shambles because it was taken over by a bunch of alien robots or whatever, right? That right. turned the earth into fertilizer. So they projected a false reality so that people didn't know that was happening and on we go. So that's a good metaphor. But people are saying, no, that's literally true. And I'm here to say, well, just another thought. You don't have to believe me. What do I know? This is my thought that maybe the big con is that Reality itself is actually, you're more linked to the real hard reality of whatever that is than you believe. And that a lot of the ideas that have crept into your mind that have distorted your view of reality is where the simulation has occurred, mm -hmm. which now we get into why your governments have spent billions of dollars and decades of research into mind control experiments and MK Ultra, and how to produce Manchurian candidates and school shooters and the whole thing. What are those people operating off of? They're operating off of a program that's been installed in their mind that they see reality in a certain way and then they're acting on that belief system. Does that mean the hard reality itself is itself a simulation or does it mean the simulation occurred in the psyche, right? And so the rebellion against reality is where we're getting a lot of these freaky cults because what is the bottom line of every cult? We're going to ascend. We're mm. going to go to the ninth dimension. We're going to leave this horrible meat suit that's just a prison for the soul. We're going to have a special Try every cult ever. Pick your ver version of it. It's been mm -hmm. thousands of years in the making. So then you start asking the question, and we do this on Unslaved, and we just interviewed a really brilliant simulation theorist who I love. He's a great guy. And I, he's got great points, but I still have my personal pet theory that I go, yeah, but you're still the, the say the self-hatred, the self-sadism. I want, I don't like my body. So therefore it's an illusion. I don't like the way rea the harshness of nature that punishes me every every time I make a mistake. I don't like that. I don't like, I don't like the fact that my actions in the world or inactions in the world have direct consequences. I don't like mm -hmm. that. I want to go in a video game environment that can stay from the personal responsibility of being psychologically sovereign and, and real. You aren't real in your mind 
You don't know what real is, real love, real empathy, real humanity. All of your emotions are guided and dictated to you by Hollywood. That's the illusion. But deep down under all of that, you have a real part of you that's so freaking real that you can't even imagine it because no one ever introduced it to you. That is enlightenment, is waking up to reality. And here's the thing. This is what Nathaniel Brandon was saying. If you watch that last bit a few times, it's really going to sink yeah. in. He's telling you the psychology of a dictator and a cult leader. And what do they do? What does John of God do? What does Walter Applewhite do? What does Robert de Grimston or Klaus Schwab do? We know reality better than you. We have your security and your survival at our top priority list. And so follow us into the gates of heaven and we will show you the real reality, not the reality those other people have been telling mm. you. They're lying to you. We know the truth behind the lodge door. Just sign here in blood and do all the rituals and rites. Sounds yeah. like every religion in the world. Isn't it? And that's <laughs> the real reason we live in tyranny. That's the oh. real reason evil runs this motherfucker. That's the real reason that these overseers have complete control of this planet. Mm -hmm. And that's why they're afraid of being discovered is because the minute every single individual human wakes up to this fact and realizes, holy shit, there's a real world that was given to me by my creator for me to experience a spiritual uh, existence in. Wow. And the last thing I'm going to say on this is, what if we realize that it's multidimensional? So there's mm -hmm. the dimension of the physicality. That's the vibration and everything seems like it's solid. But that's just, that's still very spiritual because there's not a separation between the physical world and the spiritual world. This is why I would say, go read some Schelling. Go read some of these great philosophers that would tell you, nature is visible spirit and spirit is invisible nature. That one sentence alone would stump your Neil deGrasse Tysons, would shut a lot of these guys down just because it tells you there isn't separate realities and dark matter and all this crap. There's the physical world that you see. There's your physical body. There's your physical brain. And that is an extension of spirit because nature is visible spirit. But hmm. spirit itself, the spire, the light that infuses us all, is invisible nature, invisible to the human sight that can only see 0.005% of the light spectrum. It's more real altogether than you can imagine. And the physical world is not a separate world from the spirit world. It is the spirit world. Your brain and your genetics have been firewalled off to show you that. And that the reality is it's all connected. That's the true oneness not this mm -hmm. oneness that you hear from the New Age movement. That's the true oneness. At least that's my take on it. So I, I, this is great. Um, I love everything that you said there. And it's interesting too because one of the things that we hear within the New Age movement or in the spiritual communities is like, dude, I got to like decalcify my pineal gland and get that thing initiated, you know, and, and get that thing working again. And uh, I, was hearing, I was hearing Grandmaster Wolf. I don't know if you've ever seen Grandmaster Wolf. He's mm. – uh, He's Australian, but he uh, trained for 30 years in Tibet and China at the various um, different monasteries. Mm. Um, he actually, Dean Radin, him and Dean Radin did a show together about uh, three months ago. They've done three of them together. And uh, Grandmaster Wolf does telepathy. So he'll, he'll do telekinesis. He, he actually had three balloons. He had a black balloon inside two balloons. And he just goes in there and you see the one balloon on the inside, the black one, move and pop. 
and he did it with his mind, like on the spot. And Dean Raiden is like, this is crazy. Like, like you didn't like when you know that this isn't some type of thing externally because the other balloons don't move. It's only the one in the middle that moves. And Dean Raiden is going to study Grandmaster Wolf and how he does this. But um, one of the things that Grandmaster Wolf says about all this is that in order to obtain enlightenment, you simply have to forget everything you've ever known. And it's interesting to look at it like that because it is the, the indoctrination, the education, the, the experiences, the influences that have entrained us to believe that we live in the physical world. That our pineal gland, he said, he goes, do you imagine? Do you think? That's your pineal gland. Your imagination is that. You just don't know how to use it. He said, it's not about awakening it. It's already awake. You just need to learn how to use it. He goes, your heart chakra, it's already open. You just know how you need to know how to use it. And he goes, your reality, enlightenment is right in front of you. You just have to remember what it is. It's a remembering, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and he says that like you have all these filters in your life that have come together to disillusion you from who you truly are and for what truly is, and it goes back to you know you going out in the nature and, and and think about it when you're on that beach and you're watching the waves come in. There's a lot happening in nature, but if you scrape away man-made world, is there really? You're simplifying your reality down, down to the basic functions of how reality operates. And you begin to see the beauty. You begin to feel and recognize the spirit. Every time that I'm out in nature or outside, clearest day in the world or the, the, the craziest day in the world, no wind. And I'll just put my arms out behind me like this and I'll go, I'll, I'll say, hi, God. Hmm. And the wind will blow and touch my arms. Now, I've thought about this many times. Like it happens every time I do it. Hmm. And I'm like, is this a simulation that is recognizing my thought pattern? Is this nature recognizing me and my recognition of it and acknowledging it? Um, is this just good timing on my behalf that every time I think that like my, I'm like, tell, you know, I'm psychically anticipating the wind and I'm like, oh, Hey God. And all of a sudden the wind hits me. I does it matter. Yeah, <laughs> it doesn't. Yeah. It, it doesn't matter. The fact is, is that's my reality. I've experienced that every time and it happens. And, and even I if we were just in a simulation and we were just here to like experience yeah. whatever this is, like you said, well, this, this is my experience and it's still holy and good and full of spirit. If you bring it to it, like there's the old thing, the world is never going to give you meaning. Mm -hmm. That's Ooh. something you bring from within yourself to the world. So right. I could be in the same place with a manic depressive who sees no hope or, or no spirit or no purpose, their purpose and meaning behind life. This is where we get to, right? Is there no purpose or meaning behind life? The person that mm -hmm. believes that I could stand next to them watching a sunrise or watching a sunset or watching the galactic arm over our head or whatever it is, right. or watching anything. And they won't have the same experience that I do. Exactly. So that's interesting that we can both be in the same place at the same time, watching the same tree blowing in the wind or the same wave crashing on the shore. Yet two human beings can be interpreting that exact same phenomena with a different mood, a different, maybe someone's on their phone texting, 
they're present, but they're not like consciously there. Right. So then you go, well, the people are going to come back and go, that's all just an illusion. The nade, the wave crashing on the floor. It's just a simulation thing. We live in the Truman show or whatever it is. It's all concocted by, and you go, well, what really though? Like maybe, but what if we're just misinterpreting or maybe there's different ways of experiencing the natural world mm. and that's something derived from within you. So if, and this also, this brings us to a discussion we've had before Josh about this idea of the, the three options of the overseers. Are we dealing right. with physical humans? Are we dealing with angels and demons and spiritual beings or into them? Or are we dealing with like physical extraterrestrials here? Well, the reason I can say confidently we might be dealing with a little bit of all is because what if we are also a combination of all those things and there's just different cognition, there's different recognitions of that. And so just like I have a physical vessel and a physical being, and I can traverse from one country to another, and I can see that there's whatever. And, and then I also have a spiritual component that I believe in. That is the soul, the flame of life, you know, um, that's the higher, higher mind or whatever. Well, wouldn't that be the same for all life in the cosmos that there'd be every being would also be infused with a physical element, a spiritual element, a psychic element. Right. And what if there's just higher levels of existence or knowledge or even technology that allows maybe more advanced types to interface between those stages a little bit quicker, a little more seamlessly. Yeah. Than what you and I can do currently because of our current state of development, right? So it just, I love these kind of conversations. It brings in a lot of philosophy and everybody's going to have their take on it. And I'm not here to put the final word, but I think this is really interesting when we're trying to talk about the control system on the planet, who's running it, what they are. And what I like to really just think of is, well, in the end, what do they believe and then more importantly, if what they believe is what gives them power, what do you believe? And is it possible that what you believe can either disempower you or empower you, which means that the way out of this matrix is down to belief. Hmm. And more importantly, not just belief, but knowledge. And it's our orientation of thought that has helped them create the prison. And here's a simple example. So it's not too airy fairy. We were given a narrative during the pandemic or during the war or during the election or whatever it is. We were given a narrative. Vast majority of people took that on face value, believed it. And now the entire world is acting upon that belief. Right. And that is now creating new situations in the world. And it's literally changing the world. But the fact that you and I have the ability to change our mind on, a on an issue, right? Like some of the things you've said have made me rethink some of my positions. And maybe that's happened to some people with some of the things I've said. It's just, the yeah, fact that we've the ability, yeah, we've had the ability to do it means we have the ability in general to change our belief structure about how we view these overseers in this whole situation, mm -hmm. which is why they need to recruit us to believe as they believe to help them create the reality in the future they want. Otherwise it wouldn't work so hard to manufacture our consent if they didn't need us. And then that also gives us the notion that we have the power to change it because all we got to do is see the lie for what it is and then have a different belief structure that creates a different world. 
And that's the great awakening is that we have that ability to do that. We just don't know it. It's like Neo in the matrix. He doesn't know that just by the power of belief, he can jump that building right. and he doubts himself. So he falls, but then next time he's able to do it because his, his belief is so powerful. It's that idea of faith can move mountains, right? So maybe we just, we're so in the black pill mentality. This is all happening to us. The deep state is doing us to us. The government is doing this to us. What if, we do something now and what we do is not a violent revolution it's nothing it's just simply a changing of our minds and just say no right isn't that just say no yeah Yeah. no i mean uh, yeah i love it and and, you know it's interesting too that we talk about like the digital slave matrix the slave matrix of of transhumanism the technocratic revolution that's happening right now um one of the comments here says hive mind and what is the hive mind? What is the Borg? It's the the it's the dissemination of one belief to the many. It's that that's what communism is. That's what totalitarian dictatorships. I mean, in North Korea, you go there, they believe he is a god, and that's how they're supposed to live their lives, worshiping him. They they and that they gives his power. That gives him his power. They rigged the golf game so that he always gets a hole in one, right? Mm. Like this is the belief structure within that regime because that is the structure of the power and how they retain it. And they're moving towards transhumanism. They're removing the identity of the individual to Mm. retain their power because I believe, and I believe you do as well, is that – we are in the midst of the great awakening that people are waking up to the truth and truth is like a virus that when it hits a critical mass, you can't stop it. It infects everybody and it becomes like that belief. What I call the, uh, the banister effect, right? That when he broke the three or the four minute mile, all of a sudden people all over the world were breaking the four minute mile. Mm. And the same thing is with truth is that once it comes into the psyche, once it's, accepted by the small percentage of humanity you can't stop it it spreads like a virus and people begin to see it and that's what i think is meant by the precipice and i think Mm -hmm. that's where we are at coming to at least is the precipice we're seeing more and more people wake up more we're seeing liberals now taking (laughs) to the street politically like in agreement with republicans like hey this stuff's all corrupt you guys are you guys are stealing elections over here like why, why are you supporting these people? They're all warmongers. Like it's happening it, it, in my personal life. People. Yeah. That I know. Yeah. Yeah. And so it, we're, we are witnessing the spread of this truth virus that is awakening humanity. And, and it doesn't matter what their, their ideological belief structure. It doesn't matter what their political alignment is. Okay. A- at one point, people are going to wake up to the truth and see that they've been duped. They've been manipulated. And that is a greater motivation for uniting and bringing about this understanding of freedom than it is to conform to the agenda and be a part of it. And see, that's the thing is the moment we pull back our power from these various ideologies, from these various agendas, from these political affiliations, when we pull back our support and power from it, the only way that they can sustain their power is through cheating. The only way they can in through manipulation and through lying and through corruption. And now look, look at the state of the American elections. We just had James O'Keefe. He started this investigation last year into um, um, Act Blue, 
which is the big Democrat super PAC that we have here in the United States of America. And what he did is he went through and he found all the top donors, individual donors, because they can don donate like a limited amount. He found the top uh, donors and he went and visited them. And he's like, hey, did you donate $820,000 to the Democrats? They're like, no. And he's like, oh. So he goes to another house and he's like, did you donate $150,000 to Act Blue? She's like, I donated like $22. And so you start finding that Damn. these super PACs are taking in money. Act Blue is funneling money through fraud. Well, guess what? He found it on the Republican side too, on Win Red. And I said, there you go. This is why they didn't investigate it. This is why they don't care about it. Because they don't have the support. Nobody wants these people in office. It's an illusion that they're creating and they're perpetuating. And when people realize the big game, the big scam, you better fucking watch out. And that's where we're coming to right now is people are like, dude, they, they're stealing elections. They're buying votes. They're creating ballots. They're creating fake donations from foreign interests, from private philanthropies and in, industrialists and Soros and Gates and they're all controlling these people. both sides. Yeah. yeah, they're controlling both sides and the people no longer matter. And when the people realize that you better watch out and here, I guess the thing is. The people realized it and people are waking up and this is where we're at right now. And I believe that with this revelation that is coming over humanity right now, and it's going to be slow and it'll, it'll gain speed is this will produce a larger conscious awakening that this will produce a lot of those people who were deterministic. A lot of those people who saw no uh, faith within God's creation to really start opening up their eyes and awareness to something greater. Because when they realize that everything they've been told by the controlling factions in their life that they conceded to and acquiesced to this whole time was a lie and manipulation, they're going to question everything else. Yep. Yep. And it's, I think that's the real game is the capturing of human, of the capturing of consciousness yeah, and directing too. of consciousness, because that's the, the, it's so easy to see when you see fact checkers and you see censorship, you could say, Oh my God, they're so evil. They're censoring the truth. But you can also take that as it just shows you how powerful the truth is. It just shows you how afraid of it they are. Yeah. It tells you everything they every move the dark side makes, every move that 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 happens is there to teach you that on the opposite end of the spectrum, they're giving it's a dead giveaway that you the human consciousness is what drives the machine. And so they need to capture your consciousness, keep you focused and believing on certain things, and they are using you as a sort of assist in getting over the finish line. That tells you exactly how we escape all this shit. Yep. Like it's written in, it's by their actions that you can see where the way out. And that's how a good, like from martial art perspective, that's how I personally would look at an opponent or look at how we build a game plan for a particular style is we look at its strengths and we realize the strengths were built up to fortify and protect something, which is mm. the weakness so if we can get behind the strengths, that's the veil. Oh, they're so big. And we can find out, well, the strengths are built up to actually protect a weakness. Then we just need to know how to exploit the weakness and bypass the strengths. Yep. And that's what we've just said. It's brilliant yeah. because their weakness is that human consciousness from an individual level to a collective level gets pointed away from their lies and the, and the real simulation that they created and gets pointed to the reality as it is. 
as dark as it is. This is why the facing of the truth requires courage. This is why I called mm. my show Truth Warrior, not Truth fucking Gardener, you know, like Truth Warrior. You got to, I love gardeners too, by the way. But just like you need a particular archetype in this war. You want to be the Spartan holding the shield up going, okay, they're shooting arrows that blot out the sun. Well, we're going to have to fight in the shade then. We're still going to fight. We're still going to give everything we've got. And we're going to, and the reason we've got that courage is because we've already seen through the veil of their strength and we've seen the weakness. The weakness is discovery. The weakness is the unveiling of the truth. The weakness is that their lies upon lies upon lies are what built their power. Like that example in North Korea, that that whole power structure, the fact they worship him as a God itself is a lie that when that lie drops, that's done. That power structure is done. And it's because that's the nature of truth, which actually uh, is a point in the favor of what I'm telling you, which is that the simulation exists, but it's in your mind. I agree. And that is where the war is won. That is where the war is won. Wow. Oh, my heart is telling me. Fantastic show, David Whitehead. Two and a half hours again. We always do it. <laughs> you um, always bring out the best of me, brother. I love talking to you. Love oh, it. man. I, we have the best conversations. And so it's just, it's phenomenal. I feel like every time we talk, we figure out the mysteries and the secrets of the universe and life. <laughs> totally. I, I walk away from here like, I know enough now. I feel accomplished in life. Same, and, same, same. <laughs> I hope and everybody then you have else to go take notes and I have to have people go through and Hey, go, go back and watch that again. Take some notes and let's write up some blogs. And, and because I want to read it later and I want to like, Oh my God, that and this and that. And, 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 but there's just so many ideas and concepts out there, but you know, the conversations that we have, and I think people we've had consistent viewers this whole time. And I think people realize it out there that, you know, we're not here to bullshit people. We're not here to propagate a false agenda or to align you towards our ideology or anything like that, that it's really about the truth. It's really about the discovery of the truth. It's about finding out who and what we truly are on an individual spiritual basis, as well as on a collective level. And that, I mean, it, it's something that I've, I've really kind of dedicated my life to. And, and I know you have too, is that yeah. we want to, we want to remember we want to know, we want to understand. And we know that every day we get closer and closer to that answer. And so, man, just a pleasure being with you tonight. Oh, same here. And to all the people in the chat and everybody watching, thank you so much for hanging out and all the support and for the, for the series, like I'm overwhelmed with the love and support I've got for it. And um, even the fair criticisms are just duly noted and I appreciate it all. And um, love these networks. Let's keep the real media alive. Turn off the fake news, tune into shows like this, do your own research, think for yourself. And, um, I only hope that shows like this and the films that I've been making, uh, are just helping in that endeavor. And I truly do believe that the real truth is going to be the victor in the end, no matter how I dark agree. it might seem. So don't lose hope. Don't get uh, into despair and, uh, stay tuned here on red pills and keep supporting this alternative media guys. 
Oh, yeah, definitely stay tuned. we got some stuff going on here. Uh, we'll be making some announcements about that soon. But, David, thank you so much. Guys, we're going to be going over to Fringe After Dark on socialredpill.com. Socialredpill.com. Uh, if my mods in the chats can put that out there, socialredpill.com. Uh, we'll be going over to our after uh, after Fringe After Dark Zoom. It's a private Zoom. I'll be on there. We'll be having some fun, keeping the conversation going. Uh, hope to see some of you guys there. Other than that, much love, respect. Guys, visit David Whitehead at cultofthemedics.com. I put the link in all the chats uh, as well as it's posted below within the description and in the comments. Go visit David. Uh, as well, you can find a lot of his social media linked up there. And then, David, your primary website is dwtruthwarrior.com. dwtruthwarrior.com. Go on out there. I already know like, everybody's already following you. And I'll also put it out on my Telegram. Much love, respect. God bless everybody. You guys have a great night. We'll see you guys next time. Have a good one. Cheers, guys.